And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. Hello and welcome to this Tuesday, April 10th, 2018 edition of the Hagman Report. We got a great show lined up for you today. So much to get into and we're going to cover a whole host of topics and important issues with our guests as well as in this first half hour where we have an, an open show and we're going to get to all this news and, and what's going on. First, I want to, uh, introduce myself. I'm Joe Hagman, the co-host of the show along with my father, Doug Hagman, who is in Washington DC right now as they attended the press briefing that was held by Alex Jones today at the National Press Club in Washington, D.C., addressing the huge amount of lawsuits, lawfare, and places where we see this battle is, is going, the censorship aspect, the squashing of free speech, the silencing of opposition voices, the battle between the mainstream media, the globalists, in the alternative media. The battle is front and center, and we are all in the thick of it. And just looking at the news today, what Peter Chalka wrote up on Hagman Report yesterday covering the story out of California, talking about state-sponsored fact-checkers and warning labels on every piece of content uh, in an attempt to censor speech. We're also going to cover today what's going on in Capitol Hill with Mark Zuckerberg's testimony and how this ties in. But I want to say this first and foremost. I don't know how many people saw the press conference that Alex Jones held today. Uh, this was what I'm referring to at the National Press Club. And uh, it, if you watch closely, apparently, I, I have not seen the, the video yet. I, I was able to listen to some of it. But you can see uh, my father and Tech Eric there in the second row. And they are there uh, to represent uh, the Hagman Report in the alternative media as we ourselves are under, uh, you know, this fight with lawfare and lawsuits and the attempt to use litigation in order to, uh, take us out, if you will, to remove us from the alternative media. And these people are using these same tactics, the same language in a number of lawsuits spanning all across the alternative media from Alex Jones to Roger Stone and many others have seen these lawsuits pop up. And this is done for a number of reasons. One, it drains resources and time from things that we should be focusing on. And instead, we're left using money and having to defend ourselves in a, a court of law over things that were said and, and the way things were perceived to be said. It's all a bunch of shenanigans, if you ask me. But this is where the battle is moving forward. If you go to InfoWars.com, you can find the videos there. Alex Jones, Roger Stone, Jerome Corsi, and other guests are speaking out against the globalist agenda at the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. Also, federal agents raided the office of President Donald Trump's personal attorney, Michael Cohen, Monday, in the latest attempt to derail the presidency. This is from the article on InfoWars. Watch Alex live invading the swamp. And the article has three videos in it, clips from... Uh, the, the meeting in Washington, D.C., 
uh, also clips from the show. And there are uh, other videos up on InfoWars, too, where you can see the whole video from the press club. But this is such an important fight, and we need to make sure we understand what's at stake here because this is not uh, a game when, you, when you're spending, you know, when you have are facing million-dollar-plus lawsuit, lawsuits because uh, you are on the radio and the things that you say are not what the propagandists, the globalists, like. We see this so often, and the Syria situation is the perfect example of this. What we have seen over the last few days with the alleged gas attack, they have their lies. They have their propaganda. They have their talking points. What they then do is attempt to really brainwash, to convince, to sell those talking points, to sell their narrative, to sell their lies to the American people. And by and large, it works. You have a vast majority of the American public, for whatever reason, whether it is complacency, disinterest, who just really don't care what goes on in the world of politics, really don't care what goes on in the real world. People are more focused on their families. People are more focused on their jobs. People are more more focused on what it is that makes them happy. And there is a place for that in life with all of us. But with having those responsibilities and the responsibility of freedom also comes the responsibility to be able to discern what's right from wrong, what's truth from a lie. And if we're going off of the blueprint, one, that the Bible leaves us and our responsibilities as Christians, and then very importantly, number two, what our founding fathers, the founders of this country, what they have laid out, the warnings that they have uh, told us about, which comes with freedom, which comes with security. We see that what is being pushed in the mainstream is completely contrary to everything we're supposed to believe as Christians, to everything we're supposed to believe as Americans. And they always wrap it up in this fake message of of compassion, of, oh, we're doing it to save the children. At the same time, these are the you know biggest proponents of abortion. <clears throat> but, but back to the main topic here, the fight f- for the truth. Just imagine a world like we had, you know, 40 years ago, where you had three TV stations. All of them had the same talking points. They told you what was going on. They didn't let you research it to figure out yourself. They didn't lead you there, uh, you know, by delivering clues. They would package lies and deliver them to the American people and then act on those lies. And we've seen numerous wars started off that premise. blame it on another country or another entity, sell the lie to the public, and then engage in a conflict. This is the standard operating procedure for the globalist, for the Satanist who are carrying out this agenda. And whether we're talking whether we're talking about Syria and what's happening there, to what we see with the witch hunt or investigation into President Trump and I apologize there on YouTube. I did not flip the uh, 
flipped the uh, image over. Hopefully all the audio went out. But this is a fight for our freedom. This is a fight for our future. And the more that we allow these globalists to inch forward, to take away freedoms. I mean, look what's happening in London. We covered this a little bit yesterday. They are launching an anti-knife campaign in London. And I'm going to pull up an article that I got to read on The Daily Show because it is amazing uh, what is going on. And this is from The Washington Times. This focuses on some backlash to City Con's Twitter message, but this is titled, Ben Shapiro joins roast of London mayor over knife control vow. London Mayor Sadiq Khan's de facto knife control measures for dealing with the city's spate of attacks were the subject of ridicule by conservative pundit Ben Shapiro and thousands of other people who were on Twitter over the weekend. The mayor put out a tweet saying, No excuses. There is never a reason to carry a knife. Anyone who does will be caught, and they will feel the full force of the law. I mean, how ridiculous is this getting? to where they are literally trying to ban knives. So Shapiro wrote, with a picture of a man who decapitated somebody back in 2013 and has a, a machete or a butcher's knife in his hand covered in blood, he says, yes, why would anybody want to carry a knife or gun for self-defense? But this is just a, a snapshot, much like the lawsuits, much like the legislation we see coming out of California. This is a snapshot into the mindset of these globalist controllers they're not going to stop with the guns they're not going to stop with the knives they believe that they can legislate morality they believe that if they just have enough laws enough of the right laws enough control over the people that they'll be able to create this utopian society and no utopian society will ever exist in this world until the Lord returns. But that's a different conversation. It is startling to me that the people, even many people in Europe and in London, are getting behind this knife campaign. And it does not, if this is any indication of how deluded some of these people are, not only in, in Europe, but also here in America, imagine what 10 more years of this social justice, politically correct, uh, brainwashing propaganda that they could uh, how much more they could change the, the population's thought process in those 10 years look how much they've gained in just a few years time so we see this is the way that we're moving forward we are uh, you know it's more control it's more laws and they're never going to stop until all of the freedoms are removed and this is done on purpose this is done for a number of reasons ultimate control bringing in a new world order type society, a one world government system is the end goal. But there's still a long way to go from where we are to that end goal, which prophecy also talks about. So the question is, how do we, obviously we're, we're going to get to that point, but what can we do in the meantime to make sure that doesn't happen as long as we're alive? And this is what the reasons that, uh, you know, Doug is in D.C. We have to develop not only strategies to defend and to rebuke these things, whether they're lawsuits or attempts to uh, censor our channel, but we have to get on the offensive. 
And we can't do this without your help, without your support, without your prayers. And we need all that to continue. We also need people to to step up, to get more involved, to reach out to other people. Because even though we see the craziness that's going on in the world around us, many people don't live in that same reality. As a witness from many Hillary Clinton supporters, some of them admittedly live in a separate reality where they wake up and they check certain websites to find out Hillary Clinton is still the president. And I mean, that's what we see here on, on the Internet. And we see this dual reality in our political world. We have, well, really, I'd say three groups of three political bodies in our in our country. We have the extreme on both the left and the right, the extreme uh, progressives who are the most rabid pro-abortion people, who are the biggest anti-gun people, who want the socialist, communist-type government. So we have the extreme right. They want the same thing. They want, you know, basically uh, a totalitarian system of government. They want uh, to rule the world with a one-world government through war. And then you have the people who are, I guess we'd call the silent majority. The people who are engaged, and we're not even talking about those that are not engaged, but the silent majority, the people who are not sociopaths and psychopaths, who are not, uh, you know, power-hungry, greedy lawmakers, who work hard, pay their taxes, try to enjoy life, and, and doing the right thing constantly. And for too long, we've seen this group of people I mean, we saw him come out in the Trump election, in this 2016 presidential election, and vote for Donald Trump. We've seen them come out in different times in our history when it was needed. But is more intervention needed now? Do we need this silent majority to step up? Absolutely we do. Whether it's with their pocketbook, whether it's with their support, whether it's with, uh, you know, in, in boycott or something. We need, these people in Washington, D.C., need to understand that America is still not captured yet. Europe, not very possibly. They're putting people in jail for what they call hate comments, hate hate speech. And they're trying to ban knives. Yes, they might be too far lost right now. But here in America, we continue to talk about where this is taking us, how fast we are getting there on the wrong side of history. But we still have time. We still have people. We still have resources. We still have freedom. We still have the ability to prevent this from happening. And as long as these senators, state senators, uh, national senators, congressmen, as long as these politicians continue to remain unchecked, as long as this mainstream media continues to spew their lies unchecked, they're going to roll over us. But certain areas, we have been able to affect change, and the alternative media is one of those areas. And I can't stress enough how important the ability to have alternative voices, to have alternative opinions, not alternative facts, even though the news media is, and are experts in creating spin and alternative facts, We need everybody front and center 
And everybody ready needs to be ready to do their part. We see the president being dragged through the mud. His own personal lawyer was raided by the FBI. We are still awaiting the response on, on the United States and President Trump's response on Syria. That's one thing, one area that I am uh, keeping a very close eye on as we have reports. And we're going to go through these reports uh, of what the latest military movements are. We have um, updates from the U.S. deploying the Truman Carrier with seven warships decked out with cruise missiles to the Mediterranean Sea. You have Europe and French threatening a missile strike on Syria within hours. So things are still ratcheted way up. Also, as I mentioned, Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg is testifying in front of the Senate. And we're going to talk about that when Pastor Begley joins us. He's going to be joining us at 7.30 through 9 o'clock. We're going to cover a whole host of issues from uh, some some prophecy stuff, as well as so much of this news as um, there there's a lot going on. A lot I got bookmarked for Pastor Begley to ask him about. But listening to some of what Zuckerberg was saying on the Capitol Hill today, uh, I don't know how much, if, if people had time to listen to any of that. I, I got to listen to a little bit of it. And it was uh, very aggravating. I got the chance to listen to Lindsey Graham questioning Mark Zuckerberg, and they talked about a number of things from Facebook being a monopoly, and then more interestingly, to their terms of service. And Zuckerberg admitted, which we all know, uh, we all knew this before he said it, but they were talking about how complicated the terms of service that you agree to when using Facebook are and how in those terms of service they are so vague and and with their language and allude to a secondary terms of service when engaging with third parties where Mr. Graham, uh, broken clocks right twice a day, brought up the point that it was made to confuse, that the American people, the majority of the American people, if any of them read it, you know, more than half of them who read it aren't going to understand it. And that's done on purpose. And and Zuckerberg uh, didn't come out and say that, but he did admit, yes, I, I don't think uh, a majority of people who look at the terms of service understand it. So will we see government regulation uh, coming from this? We'll cover this more tomorrow when I've had a chance to really review everything that Zuckerberg has uh, said and all all the interesting sound bites that are going to come out. But for a good light, a, a good start, you can go to Drudge Report on the top left or uh, Liberty Daily also has a number of articles on um, Zuckerberg's testimony. But he's still there. He's still answering questions. One interesting graphic from there shows he had a little booster seat that he was sitting on. They had a, a, a secondary cushion on his chair to make it look like, uh, you know, he was had to be propped up there. Pretty funny. But back to Syria. Still, we have no evidence, conflicting reports of a chemical weapons attack. And interestingly enough, on the Daily Report, John and I were going over past reports of alleged chemical weapons attacks in Syria, specifically April 4th of 2017. And what we saw is very disturbing. I mean, you talk about basically taking that report from last year, 
switching the locations, switching the dates, switching the number of people allegedly affected, and you have the same report. An alleged chemical weapons attack took place in the city of, you know, whatever. Pro-Assad government forces are believed to, to be behind the attack. It's the same exact script. No evidence is provided. Even Russian military people went out there to test the sites. They said they found no traces of any chemical agents or evidence of a chemical attack. And now we see other UN investigators being sent to Duma after Russia and Syria both called for a investigation into the, an international investigation into the latest claims of a chemical attack. But one thing that's different from this, in 2017, both Assad and Russia said that the, they didn't deny that, they did not deny the attack happened. They denied who was responsible for it happening in 2017. But now, today, Russia and Assad are both denying that the gas attack actually happened at all. And interestingly enough, and this is the Organization for the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons, OPCW. They're the team that is going to investigate. Interestingly enough, though, um, I was sharing some videos with John earlier, and there's some videos out there showing uh, how to create a terror attack, fake terror attacks. Well, we came across the video where terrorists are teaching children how to fake a chemical weapons attack. And if you go to YouTube and you just search, this video shows children being instructed by terrorists, you'll find this video. And this looks like it is either in Gaza or uh, it's with the Palestinian people, as you can see the flags and how they're dressed. I'll drop this into chat for those who want to save it and bookmark it. But there's countless examples of these events that have been faked. You can watch the videos yourself. You can watch them create and fake the event. And with our where we live today in modern tech, this modern technological era, where anybody can, with one filter on a camera, make themselves appear to be anybody else who's ever been recorded on video and talking as that person, when we have computer-generated images and video that can create just about any scenario and making it look as real as something that was standing right in front of you. That's what we titled The Daily Show today, Don't Believe Your Lying Eyes. Because in this world, with such deception and the ability to to really go all out and, and deceive to, to the point where, you know, you have these quote-unquote crisis actors to where you have fake terror attacks. I mean, the Iraq war was built upon a lie from they threw the babies out of the incubators to weapons of mass destruction. How is it that after 9-11, when the majority of terrorists came from Saudi Arabia, did we end up invading Iraq? But the American people didn't care. They wanted blood for what had happened on 9-11. I mean, we could have invaded China and the American people would have bought it at first. But never again. Many people understood after the fog cleared from 9-11 and the 
Iraq and Afghanistan war, which we're still in, by the way. Many people said never again. And what this was also the reason why people got behind supporting President Trump. From 2012, 2013, 2015, he railed on Obama for his Arab Spring, for the Middle Eastern policies, for Obama's actions and inactions in Syria. The president identified a chemical attack that wasn't, that was blamed on Assad, that was carried out by rebels, and he called it right back in 2013. So why are we seeing this change with what he's saying on Twitter, calling Assad an animal, blaming him basically for the same, falling for the same deception he did not fall to earlier, the president, with what is Assad's role, what did he have to gain, why would he do this, where is the evidence of him doing this? And many people think, well, Syria, what's the big deal? I don't care what happens in Syria. Well, this has international implications. And my dad always says World War III is going to start in Syria. Now, do I believe that? It looks more and more likely as the more time goes forward. And we've seen what they've done to they, the globalist, the globalist agenda through the Obama administration and Hillary Clinton and others were able to do through the Arab Spring invading the Middle East with rebels, arming those rebels, overthrowing elected leaders in sovereign countries. We came, we saw, he died. Remember that? When she was remarking about Gaddafi being killed. And they had the same plans for Assad. And for years, he's been able to fight them off. He's still alive. He's still in power. Nobody seems to want that, though. And we thought we'd see a change with Trump. Well, I think we're about to find out if that those promises of a non-interventionist policy are real or not. Many people should be concerned. And if the president makes the wrong decision here, we need to hold him accountable. And is it any coincidence that John Bolton, his first day on the job, the war hawk, is the one who's dealing and having to deal with with Syria right off the bat. It's no coincidence in my book. We're going to get Pastor Paul Begley's thoughts on the other side. We got the Occupy 2018 conference we're going to cover, and we're going to cover what's going on with President Trump, this bogus investigation, Syria, and so much more. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to this Tuesday edition of the Hagman Report. Welcome back, everybody, to this Tuesday edition of the Hagman Report. Uh, for those who joined us late, Joe Hagman here flying solo. Actually, got Pastor Paul Begley coming on with me. Uh, he's going to be with us for the next 90 minutes. But the uh, my father and Tech Eric are in Washington, D.C. They attended the uh, meeting today, the press conference that Alex Jones held at the uh, National Press Club. 
addressing the issue of the fight that the alternative media finds itself engaged in in the courtroom, the legal battle, the lawsuits that have been launched against InfoWars, against Hagman Report, against uh, Jim Hoft and many at Gateway Pundit and many other alternative media platforms. We're seeing similar language in, in many of these lawsuits. We're seeing a coordination, if you will, that is very disturbing, and we need to go on the offensive, not just on the defensive. And trying to coordinate and game plan how that looks is another thing that they were uh, doing here in D.C. Now, if you go on InfoWars, you see a article, Alex Jones files lawsuit against Georgetown University Law School. Part of this offensive plan, you can uh, understand by reading these this article about uh, what he is doing in response to these lawsuits. And you're going to see a drastic change in the way we approach these things and how we handle these things. So with that said, I want to thank everybody for, for hanging with me through the first half hour. We covered some uh, some news, kind of sporadic as a lot's going on, and I'm all over the place here today. But to bring some sanity to the show, we have with us Pastor Paul Begley. Pastor Paul Begley is going to be at the Occupy 2018 conference with us in Canton, Ohio, April 20th through the 22nd, and you're not going to want to miss that conference. If you're able to go, go to Coach Dave Live and get your tickets today. I know there are not many left, I think less than 100, so if you plan on going, get your tickets as soon as possible. But Pastor Begley, it's great to have you back on the show, and what a time to come on from the world of faith to politics to economics to foreign policy, all the lights seem to be uh all the meters are, are hitting off the charts today it's it, exactly joe it's an honor to be on the show uh thank you so much for the invite and you're exactly right all of the meters are at 10 unbelievable it's all happening at once but quite prophetic to be quite honest it, it is and uh if we can let's start with with syria and i have a whole list of stuff i want to cover with you pastor from I don't know. I'm sure you've been on top of this. The trumpet sounds in Hawaii to uh, <clears throat> some of the other weather and, and earth phenomenon to foreign policy, which, you know, all those things tie into prophecy in a way. But Syria, Syria is one of the oldest Christian towns or was one of the oldest Christian towns in the world. We saw through the Arab Spring under the Obama administration this deep destabilization of the Middle East and a domino effect of Middle Eastern leaders being taken out, Assad being the exception to that rule, still able to maintain his control of Syria. Now he has other countries such as Russia and Iran that are helping out as well, while we have been arming the rebels. Well, we've seen just in the last few weeks the president announced he wants to withdraw all troops from Syria. He wants to close down America's involvement in that conflict. We saw John Bolton being brought in, the war hawk, who has openly called for bombing of Iran. And then we have this gas attack, which without evidence, which without proof, is being blamed on Assad. And it seems, just like with the Robert Mueller probe, that the media and the globalists want us to believe they've already, he's already guilty in the court of public opinion. They're, they're not even questioning his involvement or his guilt. That's supposed to be an accepted fact. And this gas attack, uh, whether it happened or not and who was behind it, 
seems to be, as they would say, closed science. Pastor, what do you think? I mean, this is amazing to me. They have done this over and over, the same MO. The same things happen. You know, we get toward a point in Syria where things are going to change. Then, boom, mysterious gas attacks happen. And then they blame Assad. And then, you know, here we go back into war. What do you make of all of the Syria situation? You know, it's a great point. It's the same. Uh, we see in the same replay time and time again, especially when it relates to the Middle East, whether it be uh, Saddam Hussein's weapons of mass destruction, whether it be Osama bin Laden is somewhere in Bora Bora, uh, Afghanistan, when really he's hiding in Pakistan in a compound, uh, whether it be Syria. with In Syria, we've seen all kinds of different things. you got the free Syrian army, like you said. you got the Turks bombing the Kurds. You've got uh, Israel flying in just a couple days ago, bombing a... Syrian uh, air military airport with Iranians in it, uh, but the media has played such an unbelievable role, as you just said, in saying this is the way it is and that's it. It doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. We've seen it in the politics with the Mueller investigation. Uh, we've seen it with Stormy Daniels. We've seen it with uh, you know the, the Me Too movement. We've seen it with. Uh, the racial tension, racial wars that they, that they tried to create, CNN literally and some of the others just tried to create a yeah. racial divide. I mean, seriously, to your point, it's manufactured media to push a narrative. Now, I don't know if Assad did this or not. You know, we, there's no way we could know. But it doesn't really matter if he did or not. The media hated this is the way, you know, just like Russian collusion, confusion, delusion, illusion. I don't know what you want to call it. So it's, it's to your point, when the media decides, somebody, I don't know if it's George Soros, somebody makes the decision and then they all run with it. Yeah, and it's very disturbing. What, what's so disturbing to me is I expect them to do this, but what I don't expect is the American people time after time to continue to buy into these same lies. And set up them uh, and stop their lives. How do we then instead capture the attention of those American people who continue to buy into this? It, not to to tell them they're wrong, but to help lead them to the truth, if that's even possible. And I don't know that it is. I mean, it is with God's help, but beyond that, it, it seems like all hope is lost. People are dug into their beliefs, and they're not going to change for anyone or any facts. Yeah, you know, to your point, uh, how do we do it? Well, we got to keep doing what we're doing every day, what you do every day, you guys at the Hagman Hagman Report and what I do and some of the others, uh, alternative media personalities. I mean, we have to keep showing up every day with, uh, with you know, analyzing everything. Uh, you know, we don't just take the mainstream, lamestream media from America. I mean, you and I, and I know all of us in alternative media, we go and see what the, you know, Canadian news is saying. We'll go see what the Europeans are saying. We go see what the Arabic news networks are saying, what the Israelis are saying, what, you know, and, and we, we gather all this information and we digest it and we're led, you know, discern it by the Spirit of God, to be quite honest, that we can come up with a rationale that makes sense. Cause if you don't, if you just take the, 
the left-wing leading liberal media for the gospel, then you'll be so confused. You'll be led such a, you'll be led astray so bad. It's pitiful. So, and they have no moral standards. They have no, uh, convictions. They could care. And actually they hate America. If you, if you they study do. the stream media, they hate America. They hate President Trump. They hate our democracy or our republic. They literally are part of the global elitist agenda to tear down America and really tear down the body of Christ while they're at it. And Pastor, I know you probably think about this as I do every single day, but just real quick on the discernment that we have through our our faith in, in Jesus and our uh, reading of Scripture, that is not something that can be gained any other way. I guess what I'm asking is, people who are agnostic or atheist or non-believers, even they don't have this um i guess you call it an instinct it, it's the discernment the lord gives you where you're able to see the truth through all the you know without hearing any other voices without listening to any media just by analyzing the events yourself are able to find the truth of the matter do you think that exists outside of uh of faith in the lord and the discernment that he gives us not not to the degree that you ha- will have if you uh, truly study the Bible and are led by the Spirit of God. I mean, certainly every individual can co- can reason with common sense and and get some of this right, okay? Because it's so blatant. But but some of it you're not going to really see unless you know the scriptures, unless you see what it says. I mean, you would not have a clue when you when you look at Ezekiel 38. You know, you can see the very nations that are going to eventually surround Israel. Okay, so you can start figuring it out. You start—I call them Team Gog. They just held a meeting. You had the Iranians, the Turks, and the Russians were all together and talking about how they were going to bring peace to Syria. Well, Syria is blowing sky high right now. Uh, but I—I I know that when I look at Damascus, say, you know, in Damascus, I don't know how it's going to happen. But it, scripture says this city is just going to basically, basically come down to rubble. And if you look at Damascus over the last seven years through the Arab Spring, through the Civil War, and through the, all the nations get involved, I mean, this, this is a city that's about 70% in rubble right now. And I don't know who's doing the gassing, uh, but I know this, this stuff's going to happen in that city. So prophecy, shows us some of the things that are going to happen. And in some cases, prophecy even shows us who's going to do it. And uh, so it's quite it's quite interesting. And that's just from the prophecy standpoint. Now we talk about the spiritual discernment. When you understand that there's a beast system going to rise, that it is basically an antichrist system that is a global elitist system. So when you read the Bible, you see that's what this Antichrist beast is. So then when you turn around and watch what's going on and you see this, we hate God, no, no, we don't want God in the platform. Uh, no, we don't want life. You know, we, we're, we're, we're a party of death. No, no, you know, we, we're pro-transgender and we're, we're pro this and that. It doesn't take long to figure out that you're, you're watching the formation of an Antichrist global elitist beast and so again Christians can pick that up real quick where people who aren't saved and haven't read the Bible and don't know don't have the spirit of discernment they kind of think that we're kind of 
a problem. I mean, we're, we're kind of yeah. like slowing down progress, you know, and so it's real important to get right with God. Yes, it is. And, uh, I can only attribute the things that I understand, um, to that discernment. And I'm talking about I, when I analyze news, when I'm reading something, it's just like a, a guide that says, okay, this, you know, this is not accurate. This is accurate. This is what's really going on. You're going to want to look this way or, or look there. Uh, the only thing I can ascribe it to is to the Lord. And, you know, so many people today are influenced by the voices they hear around them, whether it's a TV show they watch for entertainment purposes after they're out of work and, you know, lounging on their couch to news they consume on, on their television, from their radio, from their newspaper. And it's just, it's heartbreaking to me when we see in this situations like the Syria situation, like what we see with the investigation into President Trump, really bring this out where you see these whole big groups of people who believe in a lie. And not only that, they don't care. They believe it, it's the way it is because that's the way they want it to be, not because of it being the truth or right or wrong. And it seems to me that this line has become so blurred especially from our media and especially from our government to where they're promoting this perversion. They're promoting, uh, you know, this uh, indecency, immorality constantly. And I believe that it's wearing on a lot of people and many people who are sitting on the fence, maybe this was an excuse for them to get off the fence. And I also believe that many people who might have been on the fence uh, on the other side, that this will lead them to become uh, better believers, to you know, seek the Lord more in, in the Lord's direction and, and study scripture. I see that happening as well, but I just don't see how this gets resolved. And moving on to uh, taking this discussion to what we see with President Trump, what do you make of the FBI raiding Michael Cohen's office, the personal attorney of Trump? Forget for a moment anything, uh, say he was a criminal, say he wasn't a criminal, forget that aspect for a second. When we see why and how this Russia probe investigation started. No crime, which is needed for a special prosecutor. They said they were going after Trump-Russia collusion in the 2016 election. It appears that that has been abandoned and that nothing is off the table. How do you see the FBI in their latest actions on Trump's lawyer affecting the Trump investigation? This is the, you know, of all the tactics that I've been watching, this by far is the most unconstitutional thing I've ever seen. If the President of the United States doesn't have client attorney privilege, I mean, this is one of the last things that we as American citizens have is a client attorney privilege. If you can't go to your attorney and share with them the truth, and then your attorney's job is to try to help either get you through that, get you out of that, or or or, or release or help get you freed up from false accusations. Whichever, it doesn't matter. The the client attorney privilege is absolutely mandatory. If the president of the United States doesn't have that, none of us have that. And you know what? This is this is the most defining. I heard Lindsey Graham say. Uh, President Trump, Syria is your most defining moment. No, I disagree. The most defining moment right now of the presidency is Robert Mueller and the FBI pulling the shenanigan. 
Trump has, in my opinion, Trump needs to stand up on the top of his desk and fire Mueller and arrest him and, and, and have the FBI, those that were involved, uh, the, the judge, excuse me, the judge that uh, gave the warrant and arrest him and say, gentlemen, this is unconstitutional. You can't do this to anybody. You just can't do that. If you guys think I'm guilty, prove it in a court of law. But you just can't. This is It's over. Throw the whole investigation. You know, if this went to trial, Doug, I mean, Joe, if this went to trial, Joe, you would, a judge would have to throw it out. You can't raid the, the, the defendant's attorney's office. I mean, this is insanity. So this is the most... Uh, this certainly proves that what we're witnessing, Joe, I believe, is a soft coup that's now went a step too far, way too far. And uh, the president really should stand up and fire Robert Mueller in the investigation. Just end it. Say it's over. I'm throwing it out. And I'm not hiring another one because this is ridiculous. You've had a year and a half to prove the Russian collusion, fake dossier, you failed, you failed, you failed, and now you're going to break a constitutional sacred, a sacred uh, process. It's almost like our Miranda rights. You know what I'm saying? It's just oh, yeah. insane. And, you know, the, from what I understood and from what I've been reading, the attorney-client privilege is in effect and only goes out the window if they can prove that the attorney and the client conspired in a criminal act Together, then this attorney-client privilege goes out the window. But until then, it is still valid. And uh, one of the people on the left who have been uh, more honest than any other pundit, from what I've seen, is Alan Dershowitz. And what yeah. he says is that the Justice Department is violating Cohen's constitutional rights by seizing his records. And we have seen that Cohen has, has talked about handing over any and every piece of information that the special prosecutor has asked for. And um, for those who are unfamiliar, Alan Dershowitz is a, a Harvard law professor, and he is making the claim that um, that this is completely unconstitutional. This could uh, really mess up the attorney-client privilege between Trump and his lawyer, even though uh, this might have nothing to do with Donald Trump. And even last week they announced that the president was not under any criminal investigation. It seems, as we talked about in the beginning, Pastor, they've made up their mind. They uh, believe that they they say Trump is guilty of something. So now they're conducting this witch hunt to go find or invent a crime. And they're not going to be satisfied <clears throat> until he is removed from office, one way or the other. That's their end goal. And don't think for a second that they're not going to work towards that constantly. But what you mentioned about firing Mueller, you have legislators in Washington, D.C., trying to put together legislation to protect Robert Mueller from being fired. You have many political pundits and analysts saying if he does that, he could be charged with obstruction of justice. So it seems like he's in a tough spot here. Yeah, in a real tough spot. And they continue, you know, a couple of things have happened in this whole thing, as you just brought out some great points. You know, we've watched James Comey lie, flat out commit perjury before, under oath to Congress. Um, we, we just watched it. We've seen that uh, the FBI investigation on the uh, Trump-Russian collusion has gone nowhere. Peter Stork and Lisa Page admit there's nothing. There's nothing here. Here, 
Uh, there's nothing there there. Uh, they talk of secret societies. Andrew McCabe. Um, we've seen this corruption. And this is actually a retaliation to Trump for the firing of James Comey and the firing of Andrew McCabe. This uh, Mueller and the crooked judge and uh, the FBI that decided to go in and raid this lawyer's office. If you were going to raid his attorney's office, you would have to first have charged the president with a crime. Then said, now we have to go in and get these documents. We've already charged him. Okay. But that isn't what they're doing. They're saying he's not even under investigation. Yet we're going to go and, and, uh, break the doors down of the attorney, his office and his home. I mean, for what? If he's not even under investigation, then why are you going after the personal attorney of the president of the United States? So they're making the rules up as they go. This is, uh, this is the Clinton cartel. George Soros, um, the New World Order, you know, this is the deep state, as deep as it gets, and uh, they are, you've said it exactly right, their, their whole goal is to take down this presidency, but it's, it's, I'll take it a step further, it's more than take down the presidency, it's take down the nation, our constitution, our way of life, to completely end what we call a democracy or a republic, and that all the chips are on the table now. And uh, I pray for Trump every day. I pray for him every day because I don't know how in the world a man can handle this much pressure every day. And, and, and oh, by the way, deal no. with this situation in the Middle East right now. You know, he's, he's going to deal with this one way or the other. And the media firestorm that he has to deal with, that alone uh, is enough to make a, a sane man crazy uh, with all the lies and, and just the constant... Uh, tearing down of any and every action that he takes, even those actions that are, are beneficial to America, to the American people. Uh, Pastor, we're a few minutes away from a break and the next hour we're skipping the break, so we'll have the whole hour. But I want to ask you about this and then we can pick up on this on the other side. Have you been following this whole, uh, Q phenomenon that people are, are, uh, really buying into with, uh, I, I don't know how familiar you are with, with this, but, um, the alleged attempt or coming takedown of you know the Hillary Clinton cabal and these elites have you have you heard of this I've heard of it and I've just kind of watched it from a distance to be honest with you Joe yeah because because, because I don't know who the individual is and I don't know how to trust that I mean I don't know is that somebody on our side or their side is this all just make believe um is this is this a globalist uh, just is this like a, a lure on the end of a fishing hook? I mean, because I don't know, I just watch it from a distance. I don't use it as part of my dialogue because I need something concrete. You know, I need something a little more concrete than that. I don't know. It could be that Q is a is an anonymous uh, a tipster, but he could very well be part of a psychop uh, misinformation, and and uh, because of that. I can't go, I can't run with it. I just I just can't. Oh, I'm with you there. And and I the reason I asked you is cuz we get um people have been following this who listen to our show for a while and some uh, have really, you know, bought into what is being said uh by this person or persons and uh, you know there's this these the beliefs going around that at some point in time there's going to be these that that Guantanamo Bay is been expanded and is ready to fit these traders of America and the people who have undermined the Constitution to 
try to unseat President Trump and uh, anything from that to the child sex trafficking rings. And people believe that this massive arm of justice is going to come down and we're going to see people like the Clintons and the Podestas and the Strauks and all these people be held accountable for their crimes. Yeah. And uh, it, to me, and I, I'm glad that um, that was your analysis on this, Pastor, because I don't buy it either. And I've seen yeah. things like this come and go, um, you know, the things. promises of, of these roundups and uh, people right. stepping in. It just, it, it, I don't buy it. And it does seem like a psyop, and we'll get into why on the other side, but go ahead, Pastor. Yeah, well, just there's three, the, it, to me, this is going to fade away. This is going to go away like the Mandela effect. This is going to go away like the flat earth, okay? At the end of the day, this Q thing will just fade away. That's why you have to stay with the things that are concrete and biblical. Anything that's being brought out from some out here and uh, from left field somewhere, it, it will come, it will hype up a few, but then it fades away because it's not on any kind of a foundation. We have to know who Q is, point blank. I know who Alex Jones is. I know who Joe Hagman is. I know that there's pedophile rings. I know that there's corruption in the deep state. But I don't know what Q is. I don't know what Mandela effect is. And I'll never know what any, a lot of that stuff is because it's not concrete. So my, I, I try to, what I try to do, this is the first time I've ever said that, okay? I'm on your show, so a lot of times you can just kind of say things. But, uh, it, it's good to just know that we gotta stay, there's enough disinformation out there that's tough enough the way it is. So I'm just going to watch Q from a distance and just keep a, a curious little eye, but uh, I can't uh, I can't run to that. Well, uh, no, I appreciate that. And we didn't get a chance to talk off air, and I, I don't think we've ever talked about this the, the Q thing before, but I got some interesting listener feedback and uh, some other opinions. But when we pick up on the other side, I'll finish off my thoughts on, on this Q thing and why I think it's, it's dangerous. Also, we're going to talk about a number of other issues, including the Occupy 2018 conference. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. on this Tuesday edition of the Hagman Report, and we are joined by Pastor Begley, uh, one of the great friends of this show, and uh, really, he's been uh, we've been friends since we launched the show on, on Liberty Broadcasting Network when we came uh, on to the alternative media scene, and Pastor Begley was, was already there, right there with us, and um, we've been working together ever since, and we're going to get a chance to, to see Pastor Begley in person again in just a few weeks in Canton, Ohio. The Occupy 2018 conference is coming up, and Pastor Paul Begley will be a speaker there as well. And that April 20th through the 22nd. You can go to Coach Dave Live and register and get your tickets today as the event is coming up fast. And there's nothing like being able to to see and hear your favorite speakers that you listen to on the radio, on their shows, and their podcasts, to hear them live and in person. It truly is a life-changing experience. Speaking of hearing things, music is one of life's greatest pleasures. It has tremendous power, the power to bring a tear to your eye, the power to quiet a racing mind. Music also has the power to heal. 
and has been used throughout the ages to treat depression, create energy, induce sleep, relieve chronic pain and stress. And now, musician and author Michael Terrell has created Whole Tones, the Healing Frequency Music Projects. We had Michael Terrell on yesterday, and he talked about Whole Tones and the frequencies which they use and the awesome effects that it has not only on your, your mind, body, but also your soul. These frequencies were studied in the music of King David and believed to have astounding healing effects. Now you can benefit from this revitalized ancient healing of therapeutic music simply by listening daily to the music in the comfort of your own home, car, or office. Reward yourself with the gift of healing and transformation. Don't miss out on this opportunity to get an absolutely free sample of the music so that you can begin benefiting right away. Support the show and go to wholetonesfree.com and get a free music sample of these soothing, relaxing, and revitalizing tones. Go to the URL wholetoneslive.com today for your free sample. That's wholetones, W-H-O-L-E-T-O-N-E-S, free, F-R-E-E, dot com, wholetonesfree.com. And if you want more information on Whole Tones, just go back to the second hour of last night's show where we interviewed Michael Terrell, and he lays out everything from how he uh, founded this awesome product to the benefits that it can create and the positive changes it can have in your life. That's wholetonesfree.com. All right. Getting back with Pastor Paul Bagley, right before the break we were talking about <clears throat> this Q uh, phenomenon and what this has done to the alternative media. And the reason I brought it up is just to say this. We see so often people you know, with the inside track, inside information, or the solution. Always The, the way I, I describe it is, uh, always learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth, just like the scripture says, where people get this this hope and, and uh, that these things are going to happen. Sit back and relax. Uh, trust the plan. You know, trust Jeff Sessions. Everything's everything's being taken care of. Don't worry about it. Sit back with your popcorn. And that, to me, is dangerous. It's not that I disagree with what's being said on these messages. It's that I disagree with. Uh, people telling me what to believe and what to trust and to sit back and wait, uh, you know, for the, the white hats to act. I just don't like it. I see it, it does bring a huge, um, area of conversation and debate into uh, our audience. And that's good. We should have these debates. We should have these free flow discussions of ideas and exchange of information in order to best figure out, uh, you know, what to do and how to uh, react moving forward. But uh, that, we'll, we'll leave that. Uh, subject alone. Pastor, I want to ask you this. Um, the Some of what we've seen with what's coming out of the Vatican. Last week, the Pope was in the news because he was interviewed, and it is said that he said there is no such thing as hell. Today, he released an uh, encyclical on basically the devil. What's going on with the Pope and the Catholic Church today? Have they just become full has this Pope just become so uh, politically correct, so liberal-minded, that he is just a liberal first and, and a Catholic second? Yeah, you know, it's a great question. I mean, I actually asked, uh, I asked, I did a video and said, uh, is the Pope, does the Pope really represent the Catholic people? And about 80% of the Catholics said, no, he doesn't. Um, I've, I, last year, baptized 31 Catholics. Uh, and, and I can tell you that What's happened is the Catholic people 
especially who are long-time, long-term Catholics, have been family-oriented and stayed involved with the church for a long time, they're very confused. They're very frustrated. Matter of fact, the priests are confused now. They don't know who they can serve communion to and who they're not supposed to. They don't know who to ordain and who cannot be a priest or a nun. They're confused because he says the, the and every time the Pope says something, then the Vatican has to go back and say, well, now that wasn't of the official view of the Vatican. Well, look, either this guy represents you or he doesn't. I mean, and, uh, you know, he is so globalist. He is such a globalist. When, when he told Trump, you know, we don't need to build a wall, we need to build bridges, yet he lives behind a 30-foot wall. I mean, these are things you can't say and do. I mean, it doesn't matter if you what your doctrine is. You can't be so far off from what you're representing. And he is so out there. He's, he's literally... I don't know if they're trying to use him to slowly change the doctrine of the Catholic Church by letting him go out and say these things, and then by the next time the next pope comes in, then they're going to adopt them all. Maybe that's their plan. But he is certainly a global, uh, one-world uh, globalist, and I believe he's a one-world religion also. And he's maybe he's the uh, the forerunner of whatever else they're going to bring after that. But the people, I, I feel, I feel really sad for the uh, Catholic people because they're really confused, and they truly are confused. They don't know what to do, and many of the priests are confused. Uh, you know, I was, I was in uh, Jerusalem, Joe, la- uh, in the fall of 2016, and I had just arrived at the hotel, and as I was just going in the hotel, still had my luggage, when there was a Catholic priest there, and he saw me. And he recognized me, and he said, are you serious? And he comes running and gives me a big hug, which that's never happened to me in my life, okay? Uh, and he says, I'm Father Michael, and I, uh, I've i got 38 of my parishioners here, and uh, I watch you every day on YouTube. I love your Bible prophecy. I just love it. And I was kind of stunned. I didn't really know how, how, to, how to react. I couldn't believe that there was a Catholic priest following me on YouTube. But what I'm what I'm telling you is, they're disenchanted. The people are disenchanted because the Pope is not Catholic. He's really not Catholic, and that's that's left the uh, that's left the uh, Catholic people in a in a state of disarray. Yeah, and I, I agree with your assessment that the majority of Catholics do not even see uh, this Pope as an actual Catholic. And I love reading comment sections. And this article on Yahoo News, one of the, one of the comments says. I think Pope, the Pope and Nancy Pelosi must be using the same medications. Uh, but the, many of the comments also go on to say that as a Roman Catholic, I can say that uh, this Pope is not Catholic. And it seems like that is the, what, what people believe. But what is there any remedy? of the? Can the Catholic Church impeach the Pope? Is there any remedy or, or uh, system in place to where if the Pope steps out of line or, or starts promoting heresies that they can revoke him as Pope? Yeah, they actually do have that. And, and if you went back way into history, they have done it. Um, uh, it's something they haven't done really in a modern era uh, because, uh, you know, they, they say that the Pope is the victor of Christ. And so uh, they, they, you know, obviously don't want to go there if they can any way possible. Uh, if they feel the Pope is become uh, deranged, mentally deranged, or not, uh, or incapacitated in some way, they they can 
use a certain article they have, and I don't know what their rules and regulations are, but they do have some type of mechanism to remove. And I think that's partly what they did to Benedict, to be quite honest with you. I think they forced him out. This uh, child, uh, the the sex uh, abuse of the priest was so, so out of hand, and Benedict did nothing about it, that they finally just had to uh, push him aside to try to come up with a way to, to come up with a new way to clean this up. And um, they could do it again with Benedict. I mean, uh, with uh, Francis. I don't know what you do, though, if you got three living popes. I mean, that would truly be a trinity of some sort. But I don't think they want to go there. So we'll, we'll, let's see. I think he's doing what he believes and what the global elitists want him to do. When they rolled the red, when Obama rolled the red carpet out for the pope, and when the Congress let him speak, and then when he spoke before the UN, and he pushed the one world agenda the whole time. I think that was uh, a real, real key indicator of where the Pope stands. Yeah, and you know about uh, Pope the Pope before this one. I can't. Why can't I think of his name? Pope Benedict. Uh, Benedict. Yeah. Yeah, they did. I believe they did push him out. And what was so interesting about that is I remember Tom Horn and Chris Putnam actually wrote the book Petrus Romanus talking about the possibility of Pope Benedict resigning for what they said and what uh, many people have said is the last pope is this uh, the from the prophecy of Malachi on the final popes uh, this would be the last pope and I wonder if that seems to be more true today than it was when he first uh, took took his, his seat of power um I find those extra biblical prophecies, you know, from Nostradamus to uh, the prophecies of the Pope, very interesting. But you know, are they actual prophecies? And uh, you know, we still are. Yeah, Saint Malachi says that this. He, you know, he numbered them, and he said this would be the last Pope. Uh, I also wrote in my book, Mark of the Beast RFID, that the Pope Benedict resigned, and they chose a new Pope before it happened. Yeah, uh, yeah he did. I did it not not from from inside knowledge. Certainly not from the amazing uh, research that Tom Horn and Chris Putman did. I just simply got it from the Holy Spirit and just wrote it in the story. But and they got it because both the Holy Spirit and the research they did. So, you know, you just got this could be. And if this is the last Pope and he's eighty some years old, then I think you better start realizing just how close we are in these last days. Because what does that mean? Does it mean the Catholic Church crumbles or that it? It, it consolidates into a one-world religion. I mean, what does that mean if this is the last pope? Very good points, and and what and how is this going to unfold? Uh, you know, moving forward, and if that is true, then we are definitely you know in the the very last days. And I have to revisit your uh, your book. And and I, I'm sorry, I haven't done this yet. If you want to find Pastor Paul Begley, and you haven't found him outside of our show yet, go to paulbegleyprophecy.com. From there, you can find uh, not only the books, but the shows, video, as well as uh, in podcast form, which he broadcasts daily, and he has a fantastic ministry. And you're still doing the TV shows, uh, correct, Pastor? Yes, that's true. We're we've uh, we're doing the TV show. It's on. We're on Direct TV every Sunday night across the country, and then we're in twelve other cities uh, once a week. Uh, some of the some of the cities twice a week. So it just depends. You can get the whole TV schedule uh, at our website. Awesome, and we we've had the privilege of uh, appearing on that TV show. And I don't know if I ever told you this story, 
but um, sometime at, uh, six months after that initially aired, I got a call from one of my cousins who uh, actually watched the episode on a rebroadcast when it aired, and I, I just thought that was really neat. But uh, yeah, the, to, to think how far um, our reaches in the alternative media, and uh, how, how you know all these different areas of technology and, and platforms from uh, the cable TV to uh, you know the internet radio and, and on and on and on we are able to put our voices out there and for the people to be able to hear us and find us and it's amazing when you at least for me when I get a call like that from a, a family member that I've never once talked to about my show or my career or my beliefs in these areas you know calls me and says hey I saw you on TV and I watched you and it was awesome I just uh, I got a kick out of that and it's an it's an awesome awesome show. Uh, from here, Pastor, I want to talk about Occupy 2018. It's coming up in just a, a matter of days, ten days away. And it, any uh, insight as to what you're going to talk about? And folks who have never had the the privilege of seeing Pastor Paul Begley preach in person, you don't know what you're missing. I got to tell you, uh, just you think uh, Pastor Begley does a great job on the radio. See him in person. And try to get through one of his sermons without without tearing up. Uh, he'd be a, a hard person not to not to tear up when listening to one of his sermons. But any insight as to what you're going to get into, Pastor? I, actually, I do. My the title of my uh, message is "This Is It." All right, okay. and uh, <laughs> this is it, meaning uh, this is it. To uh, this is the end of the world as you know it. We're getting ready to go into this next phase, uh, Joe, where everything's going to be turned upside down. The world that we grew up in, the world we knew, the nation we knew is going to change. A radical change is about we're on the brink of it, and this is it. And will people be ready and prepared to handle it? I don't think so. And so it'll be our job to prepare them for the uh, incredible change, and, and uh, believe me, it's not good. Uh, we're talking about this uh, this beast, this dragon, is about to rise, and we're right now on the edge, the end of this age. This is it. So I'm going to be uh, talking about it. I'll be on American political things. I'll be uh, speaking on the Middle East and the global uh, prophetic things, and... Um, and bring it all together as this is it. Well, thanks for that that uh, insight. And absolutely, uh, we are in such amazing times, and uh, you know things can can change in an instant. I mean, just our involvement in this Syrian potential Syrian conflict could lead us down a road we were not prepared to go down, uh, as far as prophecy uh, and as well as uh, changing our way of life. Uh, I'm switching gears here, Pastor, and to talk a little bit about what the show's title titled FEC and DHS want list of media influencers I don't know if you saw this report that came out late last week but the Department of Homeland Security put out a contract to uh, create a database to track and monitor in real time up to 200,000 journalists or media influencers as they call them and what they want to do is compile this database uh, to track anybody who's not only talking about the Department of Homeland Security in real time, but also uh, events from terror attacks and, and other domestic incidents as they unfold. 
have you had a chance to 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 review that contract? And what do you think it? I th- I already assumed they had databases like this, but what are some of the the potential uses or misuses that they could use a database like this for? Specifically, it's obviously not for the mainstream media. This is for the alternative media because they refer to the blogs and the internet and podcasts. They don't say CNN and cable TV. Uh, this is strictly the alternative media. Have you seen this story? Yes, I have, and uh, you're right. It has nothing to do with CBS, NBC, and, and CNN and all these people. This is all about alternative media, talk radio, Internet radio, uh, YouTube live, You know things that we do, things that we're on for sure, you and I and, and the rest of us. And this is about gathering information, tracking how many people are following uh, each of us, what is the message that we're all kind of basically uh, preaching, and uh, and uh, to identify the followers as well as the leaders, and to profile us. This is all about the global elitists preparing for the the profiling. Uh, who is salvageable? Who's deplorable? Who is redeemable? Who is a, a lost cause? And what I mean by that is. In their mind, who among this, or they're going to profile us. They're already doing it. That's what this is about. And I believe they're going to make decisions on who is somebody they can still convince to be a part of the global elitist or, or the globalist uh, agenda. And they're going to identify those that they feel like are deplorable. Hillary told us that. And uh, the deplorables are going to be, uh, you know, put over in file 13. So this is all about profiling and uh, and also they want to try to figure out a way if they could to uh, uh, derail I mean they could they could already just start pulling the plug on us they don't want to do that right now because they want us they want to see who all is following us they need it for part of the profiling um, so yeah I yeah. believe that's what this is about and th- trust me uh, you know they will at some point in time, uh, you know, create those those martyrs. But right now, I don't think it, this is what they want to do. As far as you know, just uh, completely attacking with censorship and and silence some of these platforms. They don't want to do that because I think it brings a a, a a bunch of unwanted attention to those platforms when they take those kind of extreme actions. And if they can find other ways around the, the just flat out censorship, they're going to do this. And what this is is a media-influenced database capable of tracking more than 290,000 news sources across the globe. And this is a call for media monitoring services. As they say, the database has dual purposes, monitoring hundreds of thousands of news sources simultaneously worldwide, as well as tracking and categorizing journalists and bloggers. And they go on to talk about not only, as you said, uh, are they going to... Uh, follow them, but they're going to label them. They say they're going to rank and categorize news sources according to a variety of factors, including content, topics covered, reach, circulation, location. And think about that, Pastor. Just imagine they're they're trying to to create a a roadmap of how the alternative media, how uh, our side comes to their ideas and and pushes those out and how the public is influenced by them. And once they map this all out, they'll be able to see how an idea from this show or from your show, uh, you know, gets out there 
and influences, we'll say, 100,000, 200,000 people in a certain direction. Well, how can, instead of outright censorship, where you, you know, they turn you into a victim, how can they sabotage you? And, and that's really what I see this being created for. Obviously, like most things, they have, you know, positive reasons as to why they need to create this. But behind the scenes, there, for every positive reason, there's 10 negative ones or, or 10 reasons of how they're going to use this to attempt to bring down those opposition voices. And, I mean, what can you do to stop something like this, Pastor? How do you defend yourself against the, a database like this? I mean, you have to just stop talking, right? You have to stop influencing. Yeah, you, so, would, have to, you would have to stop and, and just say, you know, I guess I'm just going to get out, and I don't want to. I don't want to bother anybody. I don't want to hurt anybody. I'm just going to go into my corner. Uh, that's the exact opposite that God really wants us to do. Uh, you know, when He said to uh, preach the gospel, go into all the world, He didn't say unless it gets tough. You know, and and uh, He said when I say forsake your mother, father, sister, brother, uh, and take up your cross daily and follow Me, that's exactly what He meant. If you don't suffer with Me, you can't reign with Me. There are so many scriptures that tell you that we have to push through and persevere. You know, run this race with patience as if only one obtains the prize. So what we have to do is, uh, is never bow. You know, if they, if they build the idol and the three Hebrew boys are said, look, you're going to bow when you hear the music. No, we just never going to bow. We believe God will deliver us, but whether he does or not, we're not going to bow. And that's the mentality. That is what it takes to uh, keep going forward with the, with the uh, hope for our nation, hope for our world, hope for our, our neighbors and our families, is to never, ever, ever give up. Uh, I, I thought about Mark Zuckerberg today. I didn't get to see any of his testimony. I don't even know if it was live or not on television. But I do know he said one thing, and he said that Cambridge Analytica has harvested your data, and when you signed on with him, you allowed them to do it. I don't know anybody, I don't know one person right now remembers reading that when they signed up for Facebook. There's nowhere, there's nowhere that was represented. I mean, for him to make right, that right. statement is insanity, okay, insanity. But don't worry about Zuckerberg, he's not, you know, they're not, they're not going to pull the rug out underneath him. Uh, he has done too good of a job in helping create the database that you're, you're referring to. And now they're going to take it a step further, and they're going to follow the personalities that are out here in alternative media, and they're going to follow the, the followers so they can identify and, uh, and, and c- categorize them and, uh, you know, profile them. I wonder what box or what label they're going to put us under, Pastor. It's, uh, it, I hope uh, we have access to the database at some point. Uh, that would be interesting. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> uh, if we're not in the deplorable... Uh, category, then, uh, it, then it's beyond deplorable. And I don't know what that is exactly. Okay. So it's not good. <laughs> yeah. And again, you know, what, what can we do about it? We have to persevere. As you said, we talked about this on the daily show earlier. Uh, John identified it as the cop mentality. You know that, uh, your contribution as a police officer and taking one drug dealer off the street in the grand scheme of the drug, drug war really is insignificant. But knowing, uh, what your role is each and every day, and doing your job and doing it successfully and continuing to keep your head up and moving forward, uh, you know, that's the battle that we're up against. The, the, we can make a difference. It might not seem like much most of the time, but we don't know and we can't measure, nor do we know or will we know until everything's all said and done, 
who we were able to influence or how we were able to influence people. And there, there could be thousands of people out there that we don't even know uh, that we've influenced for, for the Lord and in, in a positive way. And th- that's why we have to continue to do that, as well as for our families and our neighbors, as you said, Pastor. Uh, we got about 30 minutes left of the interview. Where do you want to, what do you want to talk about? We have, uh, the sounds of the trumpets in Hawaii. We have this debate on open borders and every and anything in between. What are, what are you, what is Pastor Paul Begley focused on these last <laughs> few days? You know, I think it's, there's a lot, but, but I, I find that fascinating, this mystery trumpets in Hawaii. And the reason why I do is, uh, you know, I believe it was seven years ago. It was in the year 2011, which was one of the most prophetic years I've ever seen. Uh, and that's when these sounds of the apocalypse first started taking place all over the globe. And uh, actually, a good friend of mine, Sean Fussell, who re- helped me, uh, he provided all the music. He mixed, he produced the, the two uh, CD, uh, country gospel music uh, CDs I made. He actually went through YouTube and found all of the different sounds of the apocalypse that were recorded in different parts of the world. They were different kinds of sounds. And he downloaded them all onto one track and played them all at once simultaneously. He sent it to me, and it sounded like this unbelievable orchestra. Like you could hear shofars and drums and 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 horns and stringed instruments. You could hear everything. Now they were and they were like they were tuning up. It was one of the most. And so I did a video on this. I put it on YouTube, and uh, it did extremely well. But what I found out was uh, when I heard these trumpets in Hawaii. It's been seven years since we had this phenomenon, and now we're hearing trumpets. Trumpets? You know, the Bible says when the last trump of God shall sound, you know, uh, it, it talks about these things. And, and, and I just can't help but wonder if this, whatever's going on in the spiritual world seems to manifest in the physical. And is this uh, just a, one of the sounds, one of the uh, warning signs? I'm not sure. Uh, you know, the Bible says, blow the trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm in the holy mountains, tell all the inhabitants of the land to tremble for the day of the Lord is near. Okay. So, you know, I'm not saying we're going to have like the, the world's going to come to the end next week, but what I'm saying is God is, uses different signs in the heavens. God speaks through, uh, mysteriously in many ways, and I'm fascinated by this mystery trumpet sounds in Hawaii. I, I am as well, Pastor, and I don't know. Obviously, I, I do. Uh, one of the questions I had today, and I, I can't remember off the top of my head, and I did not look in the scriptures, when those trumpets sound, are those things that are heard all over the world? Is that explained? Is it regional? As you said, it you know, blow the trumpet in, in Zion. But do we know when those trumpets are sounded? What if that's going to be a, a localized thing? If it's going to be something that the whole world hears? Is that even specified in scripture? It's not specified, but I have a feeling that it is something the whole world will hear. Uh, because you know, obviously, even though Christianity, uh, you know, the epicenter of it comes right out of Israel, right out of Jerusalem, with Jesus Christ and and this being the uh, from the tribe of Judah, and 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 of course the disciples who became apostles all evangelizing the world and it just kept spreading. I you know, in my opinion, the sound of the of the trumpets will be heard globally. Um just like the sounds of these what they call what we call the sounds of the apocalypse. There's even scripture in the book of Isaiah that says that people will hear the songs of heaven. 
<clears throat> will be heard. And uh, you can find it in Isaiah chapter 24. It talks about the songs of the heavens are heard, and it sounds like glory to the righteous. But then it says, but the noise from the pit will bring fear, okay, to those that aren't right with God. So you can find it. It's a great chapter to read, Isaiah chapter 24. The first verse talks about a pole shift when he says the world's going to flip upside down, going to be great destruction. Then he talks about the sounds of the apocalypse or the songs of the heavens. Then he talks about the noise coming from the pit. But we've been hearing booms, sonic booms and noises and what they call ice quakes and all kinds of stuff. That's been going on. And then he goes on to talk about the earth is going to reel and rock like a drunken man, okay, with a lot now, of Pastor, earth. You said Isaiah 24. I know I don't have a Bible in front of me, but if I remember correctly, I think, you know, Isaiah 19 talks about Egypt, and Isaiah 22 talks about Babylon, and Isaiah 23 talks about Tyre, and then 24, I think that's where it starts to talk about the tribulation. Is that what you're referring to? Uh, well, it, it doesn't really talk about the tribulation. Okay. It talks about... More, more of uh, just all kinds of different events. Okay, some would say this could be Jacob's trouble. Okay, some could say it could be the tribulation. Uh, but he basically talks about the earth itself going through manifestations, flipping upside down. Uh, uh, songs of the righteous in the heavens, verse sixteen. Uh, the fear of the pit, verse seventeen. Uh, if you flee from the noise, you'll fall into the pit, verse 18. The earth will be utterly broken down. The earth will be clean dissolved, verse 19. The earth's going to reel and rock like a drunken man. That's verse 20. So there's just sign after sign. But then the 23rd verse says, Then the moon shall be confounded, and the sun ashamed. That means the moon will turn to blood and the sun will be darkened. When the Lord of hosts shall reign in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem before his ancients gloriously. So this is a very prophetic chapter, to your point. Very, very prophetic and is definitely tied to the end times. And um, so I think that this is precursors. I think we've been hearing these sounds and now these trumpets in Hawaii. I think there's we're going to hear more trumpets. Watch and see if we don't hear more trumpets being heard in different portions of the earth. It's like it's it's the angels are getting ready. I mean, I, I you know, look, time's running out. Yeah, it, you know, and that's the question that we were asking today on the Daily Show was: Are these these sounds, these trumpets that we've heard um, for the last sporadically for the last few years now, are they you know a, a indicator, a forewarning of uh, the times we're in, or are they uh, you know things like the the Earth's crust moving or? The magnetic poles shifting, and these are the noises that you hear from those. Or are they are they a combination of both? And I think one of the things about prophecy and our faith uh, that's so wonderful about this is, you know, we can we can gain insight, we can gain uh, information from things that might not even be there for biblical or prophetic purposes, but even just by reading into them, uh, you know, might lead us back to reading the Bible more, leading us back to prayer more. Who knows, you know, why these things happen? And but if we allow them to, they can affect us in a positive way, uh, bringing us to be more more disciplined in our in our faith walk. And I believe that, uh, regardless of if these signs are of the Lord or not, it should make us all pay very close attention, especially with all the other stuff that we we see going on in our world, all the other chaos and commotion. 
Um, maybe it's just a reminder that the Lord you know, has not forgotten about us. Uh, maybe it's a reminder to one person. And if it saves one person, then it's worth it. Uh, but, but very interesting. And I'll have to find that video, Pastor, of all the sounds overlapping uh, on each other or them played all, all at the same time. I don't think I've heard that. And that sounds very interesting. Yeah, you know, if you go to my YouTube channel, you can hear it. It's one of my uh, more popular videos. If you look in the popular section, it's like the third or fourth most popular video. And I put it out there about five years ago. And when you listen to it, it really blows you away. It really blows you away. He did a great job compiling these sounds. And I actually, when I first put it out, there was a lady uh, in the Philippines that contacted me. And she said, Pastor, do you realize what that sound is? I said, no. I mean, I hear all kinds of, I, you can hear, I could sit there and count different, different instruments. She said, I counted, there's 17 different instruments in this sound. And she said, if you knew what the sound is in preparation, that what is played when just before the entrance of a king, you could, you would understand that that's what this is doing. This is a, a, a warm up to the announcement or the, or the, uh, ensemble of a, uh, the entrance of a king. And she was, and she knew this because she was, she's in an orchestra in the Philippines. So I started saying, you gotta, are you serious? I mean, are you serious? Uh, it's it just exciting to know that there's something going on. So to your point, you know, God uses everything to drink, to draw people to Him. You know, he, he, nobody oh, yeah. just dies lost by accident. You have to choose that road. Okay. Cause everything God does is leading you to righteousness. Everything God has, has created and performed is to lead you to Him. You have to deliberately reject Him and turn the other way. You, you don't make a mistake. You don't miss it. There's just too many road signs. There's too many detour signs saying, stop, stop, stop. There's just too many of them. And if God don't reach you one way, he'll reach you another. So, uh, you know, it might be this program for some folks. This might be the very program tonight that God says, you know, you need to stop and listen. You really need to think. I've been trying to show you there's a better way. There's hope in Christ. And, uh, you know, God uses everything in, in, in any way he can. Uh, and I think that's what's going on with these sounds. I think this is part of it. Uh, and it's, uh, it's fascinating. It's exciting to me. Uh, and it certainly should show us we're living in the last days. Yeah. And I agree that the Lord uses any and everything in his power to, uh, to lead people on that path of, of righteousness and, and to making those right decisions. It's just a matter if, if we act on them or not. And, and, uh, this brings us to another conversation we seem to have every time you come on, and, and I think we need to have it every time you come on, which is the state of the church. Now, people might think, well, how can you know uh, Satan's wrath on earth deliver uh, you know, righteousness for the Lord? And David Wilkerson actually has a uh, a sermon on that. If you search on YouTube, Satan's wrath is, is the Lord's something. You can find that with just those search words. But what I find so troubling and in, in, You'd think the churches, out of anybody and everybody in America, would be on the front lines, be able to to understand and, and break down the the spiritual battle that we're in. But instead, we see the churches are being turned over uh, to apostate teachings and, and and beliefs, where they're changing the gospel, they're accepting these perversions in their church. We talked about a case in New Jersey where a welcome back 
in a celebratory mass uh, that he headed at his church. How uh, we know that you know the, the Lord is dividing his people, the wheat and the tares, and uh, he has his people you know where he wants them. But how can the church in these times continue to function at such a just a horrible level as far as accepting these these teachings from abortion to, to homosexuality in the church and, and not only accepting it but celebrating it how can the American church be so morally bankrupt especially when we see the evidence of this spiritual battle getting worse and worse and worse you know that's a great uh, a tremendous great analogy this is one of the heartbreakingness if, if this if as bad as this breaks my heart to see the church of apostasy moving in like boiling a frog in water uh, if it's breaking my heart what is it doing to God you know his word is so precious his word is so pure his guidance to us is for our benefit and to think that we no longer should follow it to think that we should just ignore it and just rewrite the laws of Christianity and adapt abominations, point blank abominations that the scripture says and then somehow bless it and say it's the grace of God you know this is when the Bible says that they'll turn in the last days they'll turn the grace of God into lasciviousness or sexual sin and say it's okay okay and unfortunately there are so many wonderful Christians, true, solid, good, God-fearing people who are so disenchanted and so disfranchised, you know, uh, disenfranchised. They, they don't really, the very churches they used to attend, the denominations that were on fire and were so strong, many of them have turned into this, uh, uh, into this trap of sin, this, this insane, uh, they preach, uh, you know, Freedom. They say it's liberty. They say it's uh, being released and, and being set free. When in the truth is they're being entangled again in bondage. So uh, it breaks my heart to be honest with you. Uh, there is still a strong remnant church, uh, Joe. There's still a group of people that's that's remnant from every church denomination that are still saying, "No, I'm not going to follow that. I'm not going to do that." I'm going to continue to follow the ways of God. And I believe God raises up new leaders. I think that when this happens, he just says, okay, who do I find now? Oh, here's one. I'll pick a, I'm going to grab a Joe Hagman over here. Or I'm going to grab, you know, someone else over here. And I'm going to raise up some new leaders who aren't ashamed, who aren't afraid. Some Jeremiah's who's got, still got the fire in their bones. They're not afraid to stand on the truth and uh, preach the, you know, the truth of Jesus Christ and the love of Christ and the salvation message of Christ and the power of the blood of Christ and the righteousness of Christ. No, we're not. None of us are perfect. None of us. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we're not sitting here throwing stones, but we're, we, you know, you're bringing up such a powerful point. We cannot become, we cannot waller in the gutter and expect to live in the glory. At some point, we have to understand God as a standard. He said, when the enemy comes against you like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard. And that standard is the truth. That standard is the cross. That standard is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, you know, we just praise God, uh, what God is doing. And uh, uh, it's heartbreaking, but I have confidence and hope that the remnant will rise up and overcome. I, I do, too. <clears throat> and 
we know that in the last days it says the Lord will pour, pour out his spirit and <clears throat> we will see this uh, you know this huge amount of people who maybe never believed in their life you know, instantly have uh, just be filled with the with the spirit of the Lord and, and become warriors for Jesus and that we we have to look forward to and it is all this is part of the the, the spiritual battle that we're in and this is something I was I was thinking about and wanted to talk about at the conference at least what we talk about when we get together and, and the questions I ask, you know, about the church and about how <clears throat> they have come so far and how they have become morally bankrupt, apostate in so many ways. This is all part of the spiritual battle. It's not just in the, the, uh, getting these churches to go down those paths. It is the, uh, emotions and the reactions of the, the feeling of defeat that Christians have when looking at the church and saying, Oh my goodness, look how, you know, look how far the church has, has fallen. Uh, you know, what hope do I have? And I read a, a book from the 1900s called Past, Present, and Future last two weeks ago. And it talked about how, you know, Satan was once once an angel in heaven and being able to deceive even the angels that were in heaven in God's presence all the time. How much more will he be able to deceive man, especially if that man does not have uh, the Lord's direction with him? And if you think about that, I mean, that's what we're, we're seeing here today. We're seeing and we're told in Scripture that we're going to see the most marvelous and, and terrific deceptions that even uh, if it were possible, the very elect could be deceived. And when you think about that and what that means, uh, you know, we have to make sure that we are on the right path with the Lord. And I can't stress that enough because if we are not, we could be fall victim to those deceptions. And part of that is you know uh, by subtle things these feelings of of defeat defeatism or not thinking you're doing a good job with the the enemy whispers into your ear you know you're not good enough well what about when you did this this is all to capture our our spirit because the battle is not for your political ideology the battle is not really for where you spend or how you spend your money or you know which presidential candidate you are voting for the ultimate battle and what the reason all these other tricks are used to ensnare you is for your soul and that that is the only thing that's why we never see uh the lord preached on the mainstream news channels we never are given the true solution to these problems in the mainstream nor will we ever be and i think too often we separate the spiritual side from the you know political and, and secular side when we have to understand that these are all uh, very closely related. And the last thing I'll say about this, Pastor, there's an article uh, up on Hagman Report from TrevorLoudon.com where uh, the title is, Is Progressivism Satanic? And it goes to lay out a case for why some of these political mindsets are satanic in nature as far as carrying out Satan's own uh, agenda. And it's a, it's an eye-opener. But so much everything is done to capture the believer's soul pastor and I, we, we can't stress it enough that uh, what, even if it's you know a, a presidential election it gets you so bent out of shape and upset and angry that you uh, you know maybe go sin by swearing or whatever anything to throw you off your, your faith walk is going to be used to do so and that the ultimate price of this battle is your soul and I just wanted to, to lay that out there in the time that we have left in pastor we got about 10 minutes left so uh Real quick, the 
immigration war that we're seeing on the border. We are seeing these caravans from Mexico. Uh, you know, people are Mexicans are demanding that they come to America, be greeted with open arms, basically given jobs and homes and welfare, demanding to become citizens. And we have a whole government body willing to make that happen and, and calling the other side racist if they don't help that along. How is this going to? How is this battle of the borders going to play out? We see some pushback from President Trump with the National Guard. We see DHS saying they're going to build, a, you know, part of this wall. Do you see this being resolved under the Trump presidency? At least uh, getting some type of permanent border security at the border. I, I, that's a great question. I think he is going to get it done. Um, he may need a second term even to get it done. Here's what I'm uh, concerned about. You know, he had a Republican Congress that would not authorize him the funds to build it. Uh, the mid, the midterms coming up in 2018, I'm not so sure Republicans are going to keep, uh, the, the majority. There's so yeah. many of them that are bailing. There's so many Republican senators and congressmen are just calling it quits and retiring and they're just, they're just throwing up their hands, which is unbelievable, really. Um, so if he's not, if he doesn't get, if, if in 2018 the Democrats get a hold of either the House or the Senate, and they'll probably get a hold of at least the Senate, then Trump won't have anybody to work with for the, you know, for the rest of these next two years after that. So he'll have to build the wall himself. And what I mean by that is he'll have to use the military. The $700 million that was, uh, given to the, $700 billion, $700 billion of that $1.3 trillion goes to the military. Trump needs $25 billion of it to build his wall. So I think he turns to the military and says, on, the, on behalf of national security, we're going to build the wall from the military. We're going to use the, uh, you know, the Army Corps of Engineers, and we're going to build it. And he can actually do that under the guise of protecting the nation. And uh, I think that's what you're seeing, Joe. The first wave is send the National Guard. The second wave will be to deploy active-duty military and then the third wave will be construct a wall of defense to protect the nation. So Trump sees he's not going to get help out of Congress. He's going to do it himself using the military. And he's got the generals in there now. They'll do it, okay? He's got the guys in position that are with him. He's, he hasn't got all of the Obama leftovers out of the way. But he's, he's, he's making some adjustments and getting some guys in position that I think are going to help him. So I do think he gets this resolved, but... Uh, He's going to have to do it uh, unconventionally. Yeah, you know, I I see the same. I have the same issues and problems with this political body that we have in Washington D.C. with the election of President Trump and the Republican Congress and House. You would think that they would have been able to come together to get a lot done. I mean, what, what the what did they get done through congressional votes? They passed this omnibus one point three trillion dollar spending bill, which is just so full of waste and, and kickbacks. And then you have the tax bill that was uh, passed. And everything else, we see no unity, no working together, just constant division, whether it is, uh, you know, the, the especially with immigration and, and the border wall. And President Trump, I, I think, did a really good job during the passing of the spending bill as the left, he, he left it open for the left to deal with the uh, the DACA situation, and they left that on the table. And I thought it was a genius of him to uh, even threaten to repeal the bill because that wasn't in there. I knew he never was going to repeal the bill, 
uh, as he said he was, but kind of throwing that back in their faces. But they're not even held accountable by their own base. And, you know, this, this, uh, one of the big issues that we've been talking about here is the terminology used. Never do we see, and never do we see people coming against immigration, legal immigration. What we are against is open border amnesty. And they conflate these, they confuse these two issues on the news by if you are not for amnesty, somehow that means you are against immigration. And it's such a, a disservice to the uh, observing people who are watching these, these shows and getting caught up in these arguments. But we are a nation of laws. We have to follow the laws. And if you can't get a Republican majority House and Congress and president with the president spearheading the movement to, uh, you know, wrap up the security business to wrap up the business with the open borders to create a, a wall and i believe a wall is is kind of symbolic you need multiple layers of security the uh whatever is going to be dividing the the two areas is just one thing you need the cameras you need the manpower you need the heat sensors you need the whole the whole deal um but if they can't even come together for something as simple as securing our border for the purposes of national security even after 9-11 then we have much bigger problems and this midterm, I don't think is is going to be good for the country. I think we'll see a Republican House or a Republican Senate, and possibly a Democratic House, uh, from the way it looks right now. But that tells me that no matter what politicians we put in the House or in the Senate, with President Trump in there, that our nation is so divided politically that nothing's going to get done through the way it used to ever again. I, can you see a scenario, even when? president to say he has another term and in 2024 he's done when a democratic president comes in we'll say if a democratic president wins the next election i, I see the same tension uh, carrying over almost as payback for what was done to president trump i just don't see where i don't see how normal le legislation will be able to resume doing anything meaningful for the american people i just see it the opposite anything that is done is going to be against the best interests of the American people. I just don't see a political solution to this, Pastor. I don't see it. And it's getting more and more divided, more and more divisive moving forward. Yeah, and you know, the thing is, it's it's so divisive and it's so divided and it's not going to get any better. The division part of it's not. Because we're dealing with, we've got, we're past ideology now. It's good against evil. It's, it, that's what's what's happening. We're no longer just different opinions or different ideologies or different ways of tackling the same problems. It used to be, you know, that everybody wanted the same thing, make America great, do what we can to make this country strong. That's not the message now, Joe. Half the country wants to make America wonderful. Half of it wants to completely eliminate America. They don't want America. They want a global world order. They literally, the left literally hates the country. They won't even stand up for the flag. They won't even put their, their they won't even uh, acknowledge a draped coffin. Uh, we're dealing with people, they hate America. They hate America. And they hate the gospel. And, and they hate anything to do with righteousness. So, you, I mean, this country's divided not by patriotism or they're not divided by ideology. They're not divided by political uh, ideals. They're divided by right and wrong. They're, we're almost to the point we're divided by, and we've got a lot of folks that's supposed to be on the right side of this thing that are hypocrites. 
and, and, and it's quite obvious. We had a super majority, a super majority, and the president is like, he's got darts sticking in his back, and he's got Brutus with a dagger waiting to stab him. He's got, he's got a corrupt judicial system that blocks everything he tries to do. He's got corrupt media. He's got corrupt, I mean, corrupt in the intelligence agencies. All of them fighting him, the deep state everywhere. So no, 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 no. The good old day, you know, forget it. Andy Griffith's not coming back. All right. <laughs> Mayberry's yeah. over. No, Mayberry's over. Are you serious? Yeah. And, and, it, and it really is. And, you know, that is not only uh, unfortunate, <clears throat> we, it also can be an opportunity. And, and we saw the one thing that I'll give to the left is they have a unified ideology and agenda. The right, not so much. You have, you know, two factions within in the right. You have the neoconservative warmonger types, and you have the more conservative libertarian types. And the conservative libertarian types are the kind that got behind uh, President Trump. And when you have that kind of divide within your own political party, you're not going to get anything done. But what the left was able to do under Obama, I mean, look, they passed Obamacare without even revealing the bill to the American public. And look what a train wreck that was. That's the only type of legislation I can see in the future being yeah. successful. And none of it will be in, in the best interest of the American people. Pastor, we only got a minute left. I want to just ask your quick thoughts on this. What's happening in London? This huge increase in violence. We've seen uh, this campaign to uh, against knives. Can you bring any common sense to Sadiq Khan's uh, rolling out and implementing an agenda to ban knives. You know, I, I don't never use the word idiots. Uh, I, it's, it's just something I don't, I, I really shouldn't do as a pastor. But if there was ever a time you would use that word, this would be appropriate. Uh, obviously, <laughs> obviously, a knife, a gun, a car, what do you want to do? You want to get rid of box trucks? You want to get rid of, you know, I mean, look, evil is the problem. It's not the yep. guns, the knife, it's not the utensils, it's not a car to people drive or a truck running people over. It's evil. You can pass all the laws you want about different things. It won't do a bit of good. They just use something else. Okay. They'll get a tire iron. They'll get a crowbar, whatever. I mean, you're going to rule it. So it's all about evil. What they should have done was sealed their borders. The EU messed up their entire, Europe is a mess. It's an absolute mess. And it's because evil, they've allowed this evil, this darkness to come in and, uh, permeate their culture. And, uh, and, and unfortunately, it's, it's maybe too gone. It's too far. And now you got these, 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 uh, people in, in, in positions of government think they're going to somehow solve evil by passing laws. It's unbelievable. It's a sad, sad state. I, I feel so sad. Pastor, I want to thank you so much for, for coming on today and, and spending that extra half hour with me. I know you were only scheduled for an hour. And, folks, see Pastor Paul Bagley live in person at the Occupy 2018 conference in Canton, Ohio, April 20th through the 22nd. We will be there. The pastor will be there. Many others will be there. Pastor, thank you so much for joining us tonight. You have a great evening. You too. Thank you. God bless. God bless you too. We'll be right back with Stan Deo. Don't go anywhere.
Welcome back to our third and final hour on this Tuesday edition of the Hagman Report on this Tuesday, April 10th, 2018. Each and every Tuesday in the third hour, we are joined by Stan Dale, and we're going to bring him on in just a second. just want to comment on something. You know, a lot of people uh, appreciate our news coverage and the coverage of current events, but some people seem to take issue with our tying in of our belief and our faith in Jesus in that news breakdown. And I, I, I can understand that for people who are, you know, just want to get a basic understanding or an understanding of the news and current events without, you know, religious opinions or whatnot. But at the same time, I, I just have to say that it's impossible for me personally to, to really separate those two. And yeah, I mean, we could continue to talk about the news without mentioning, uh, you know, our, our faith in the Lord, but isn't that, I mean, <laughs> to what end? I mean, you need some hope. You need some salvation at the end of the day. At least I, I do. And I, it's not that I need it. I know it's there and I, well, I do need it. Uh, I guess that's said, said that the wrong way. But if there is no spiritual solution, uh, wouldn't we just be torturing, torturing ourselves on this hamster wheel of insanity in the news? I don't know. I just said all that to, to say that I can't apologize for, you know, talking uh, or adding my personal belief into our breakdown of news and current events, especially in these times that we live, because from where I sit, they are so intertwined. Anyway, with that, we have Stan Deo, who is with us, and if you want to, uh, I know we're audio only tonight, so everybody go to standeo.com. From there, you can get to the show images page, just under the YouTube icon to the right of the microphone, and you can uh, see some of the stories and research that Stan has put together when he joins us. Stan, it's great to have you back on the show. Good to be back. A lot of happenings out there in the news, aren't there? Oh, man, there sure is. And uh, I don't know if anybody gave you a heads up. It's just you and me solo tonight. Uh, I'm uh, the only person in the studio for the first half of this week. We have John is on the, the West Coast, and, and my father and Tech Eric went to uh, the National Press Club in D.C. with Alex Jones for that press conference on the lawsuits and the fight the alternative media is facing. So it's just me in the studio tonight, in audio only, and... Quiet. I didn't quiet. get all that, uh, but Todd did tell me that you were the Lone Ranger tonight, but that's okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no no worries there. And, well, Syria. Let's start with Syria, Stan. Uh, we've had this, we, we've had these claims of chemical weapons attacks from this group that is called what the White Hats, who seem to be Johnny on the spot when it comes to, uh, you know, these chemical attacks. But we also have uh, the Russian military claiming that they have done numerous tests on a number of sites there in Duma and have found no traces of any kind of chemical weapon whatsoever. We see the U.S. and the president being urged to uh, retaliate with a military strike against Assad and his troops. Is this not following the same script that we've seen over and over again, where the U.S. is getting ready to pull out or, or make a change in their um, what they're doing in Syria, or a stronghold is about to be captured, and then boom, you have this gas attack. And without any evidence, without any proof, immediate blame is attributed to Assad. Then you see the response and backlash from the international community. 
Is this what we're seeing here again? Is this a, a false flag, if you will, whether the attack happened or not? Is this being attributed you know, to Assad? You know, Joe, I don't know. I, I've wondered about that myself. In fact, it smacks a wee bit of uh, Saddam Hussein and his uh, weapons of mass destruction that seem to never materialize. Um, good excuse, though. I mean, you know, uh, uh, this whole thing in the Middle East hinging on Syria, there, there are other countries and potential uh, war with them hanging on the balance of this thing in Syria because we've got Russia, we've got Iran, we've got Turkey. It's messing in Syria as well. Of course, uh, Israel is having a close look at it, if not uh, penetrating with some of its intelligence teams. We're looking at it. Uh, the Saudis, uh, young Prince Ben Salman, uh, yeah, the man of the hour, has said, look, whatever our allies want to do, United States and France there in Syria, we're behind and we'll do whatever we can to help get rid of Iran. Well, of course, we know that uh, he doesn't like the Iranian form of uh, Islam, the, the Shiite uh, version of it. But um, all these factors playing into this, as I said last week, it, it's quite confusing to know what the truth is, uh, you know, where they're really going with all this. It seems like when America makes a statement, uh, you know, policy statement about, let's say, the Middle East, uh, Russia comes out with a counter uh, position to that so that in the U.S. press, anyway, we have the opportunity for pros and cons, truth and lie. And it, they just do that to add confusion to our population here and, and to to breed mistrust of our government and the news agencies. Well, well the news agencies, not hard to, to do because you can see how they lie, but the majority of them anyway. So I don't know. I, I don't know what we're saying over there in Syria. Yeah, I, you know, I, I tend to agree uh, and we saw this exactly one year ago from April uh, 4th. We had these claims of a, a sarin gas attack on, on a town in Syria. Then the blame was attributed to Assad. Later, General Mattis had to come out and say that there has been no evidence that linked him to those uh, attacks, which then was the response from President Trump then was to bomb the Air Force Base when he was, or the, uh, one of the Syrian air bases while he was having dinner with the president of China. We are yeah, waiting again. Yeah, we are waiting the response of Trump now as he put out a 24 to 48 hour timeline for a response. And I'm afraid that uh, I don't know where the president's head is on this. We've seen him when Obama was in the same situation and territory that the president is in now. Uh, former Trump, uh, civilian Trump, was very tough on the president and even talked about Assad being framed and, and set up with these bogus gas attacks. Now, what I believe is a lie, hook, hook, line, and sinker, and, you know, with John Bolton and all these other people in there, it looks like they're they're trying to push him to uh, take some kind of action, military action against Syria, which I believe will have a real negative impact on his base and his base base's belief in his non-interventionalist America First platform. True. It does sound like a plausible analysis of it, uh, Joe. I, uh, when he canceled his uh, South American trip, they, they said he was stomping around the White House and finally decided he's not going because of the Syrian situation. Um, and he didn't want to go anywhere, apparently, but he, he added this to it to uh, uh, make his rage complete about not going to South America, uh, which would tend to indicate you know, in the press that um, President Trump is about ready to do something that require his presence here urgently and not overseas uh, to handle it. Um, so I don't know what he's up to. Uh, he, you know, he's a 
bargainer, he's a negotiator, and he often, in fact, in fact not every time, um, puts forward uh, more drastic limits to what his negotiations are going to be about, and then backs off as he negotiates because it gives him wiggle room with the negotiating. So here we are kind of negotiating a situation in the Middle East with Syria, um, and he's going to bomb, he's going to do something, he's going to make a, uh, a response in, in uh, kind, um, and you don't know how he's going to uh, temper that as part of the bargaining process that's going on behind the scenes. We watch a number of these shows that we have over the past about, you know, life in the White House, so, you know, with the Secretary of State or with the President or this and that, and you have to wonder how many intrigues really do go on in the White House, um, you know, that we never hear about because it would be bad policy to, to air it out in public or it would be damaging to the morale or let state secrets out or something, I don't know, but in this game, we know prophetically where we are in time. We're very close to that tribulation period starting. So we can expect some rather interesting political developments, rather interesting geophysical and astronomical developments, which are starting, which we can talk about later today. Um, you know, um, there just doesn't seem to be happy people anywhere. You know, the, the majority of the world is at each other's throats. Yeah, uh, that's a... Very accurate analysis of what's transpiring in our world. Any indications of the Prince Mohammed bin Solomon's position on Syria and Assad? Do we know where he stands? Hard to say. I, I think he's lumping him in with the Iranian situation. Um, you know, but I couldn't, I couldn't be certain. Uh, it really depends upon, um, Assad's relationship with General Soleimani, uh, 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 Qasem Soleimani from Iran, whose troops are in Syria at the moment. Um, it, it is such a complex issue. I mean, if it were just uh, Assad by himself and with what uh, military might and money he had to defend himself, uh, you would think that Russia and Iran would have sunk his boat a long time ago. There's got to be some collusion between you know, uh, Assad and Putin and uh, the, the leadership of Iran. Uh, otherwise, he would be gone. Um, I think that they're keeping him, the, the powers that be over there are keeping him in power as a method of being sure that Iranian and Russian troops and Turkish troops can be in the region for whatever reason, really, but this is their, their alleged reason to be there. Uh, because I think the whole Middle East situation is going to explode shortly, and one of the leading lights in that explosion is going to be Mohammed bin Salman, MBS. Yeah, and looking at you know uh, some of the content you have on your show images page, Prince Charming inside Saudi Arabia's Hollywood ambitions or dancing with the devil. Uh, very interested in, uh, you know, the, and I'm more fascinated, Stan. Each, uh, people who have been listening for a long time know that you have identified this man as somebody to keep a, a close eye on. And we've seen his, his rise to power and all, this massive amount of influence this guy has all out of nowhere. And I've never seen anything like it. Now, I'm, I'm only 35 years old, so I haven't been around a long time, but I've never seen, uh, really a, a Saudi prince have this much influence with the top leaders of, of politics and economics and, and business and industry. It seems like this guy, um, 
there's nothing he can't do apparently from what I'm how I'm reading the situation yeah I know he's on a three week tour I think he just finished up in France now over you know over there uh, France is probably the third largest arms dealer in the world and I'm sure that's part of the the negotiations he's doing with eight French companies right now is to get more arms from them you know missiles or weapons you know ground troop weapons or something um, that's the war side of things but look at him over in Hollywood there and that image 49 on the He's over there being wined and dined, you know, a real celeb there in Hollywood. Um, what's he doing? Well, uh, in addition to, to Hollywood, he's been visiting uh, Silicon Valley, of course, Apple, which you can see in the next image there, or image 50. But he's over there buying technology and getting technology transferred from the state, from Hollywood, like movie production, uh, DVD production, all that kind of stuff, taking it over to Saudi Arabia, getting them to spend money and come over there and invest in Saudi Arabia and set up, you know, film studios and whatever. Uh, one chain of uh, movie theaters is going to be opened up by 2030. I forget how many they said they were going to open up, but maybe a hundred theaters in Saudi Arabia. He's going to use the movies and the television and the technology that he's getting from us to be able to control his people and eventually the region with his, you know, press releases, his ideas and his wonderful accomplishments, all this kind of stuff. I can just see some of the Hollywood elite over there, the stars, going to dinner with him thinking, oh, look, this will be a fun evening. We'll get to sit with one of them royal Arab princes. You know, wow, we can tell our friends about it. They have no clue they're dancing with the devil because this guy is sly. You know, you can just see them uh, fawning over the guy and not really understanding what he's doing over there. Uh, Anyway, yeah. You have to put a bit about him in every week just about because every week he's making new statements or doing new things. Um, the the article you have uh, that you, we were talking about him being wined and dined, it says that he rented out the four seasons in L.A., the entire four seasons in L.A. for his three-week uh, charm offensive. And it also says that he dined at Rupert Murdoch's Bel Air Estate Mansion with five major studio heads, including Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who's been talked about as a possible presidential candidate as we see this move towards uh, you know turning Hollywood uh, celebrities into uh, presidential candidates but this is very interesting that you know it seems he has the attention of all the right and important people it, it's uh, something to, to really watch and marvel at Stan it really is well he's kept our, his country his uh, uh, leadership there he and his dad have only been at it uh, for two or three years but the former leadership um, they have continued the kind of oppressive nature, not letting movies be shown, not letting women go to public events or to drive cars. You know, they just were all suppressed. Um, but he's reversing this now, then, which, of course, gives him great favor among the millennial Arabs. But he needs to have um, videos, uh, movies, um, programs to condition his people to go the way he wants them to. He's wise in doing that. I mean, I can see how he can use that to get his way without having to fire a shot if he's careful within Saudi Arabia. But that doesn't explain what he's doing over in Israel, shaking hands, being friends with them, and, you know, suddenly being a, a, a creator of peace in the Middle East after three or 4,000 years of animus between the Arabs and, and Israel. Um, he's turned the world upside down, and... Uh, He's certainly changing the laws in his country. He hasn't 
necessarily change the times yet, uh, as the Antichrist is supposed to do. But as I've said repeatedly, this guy is a front runner for the first beast of Revelation uh, uh, 13, um, uh, 12 and 13. So I don't know. Um, we just have to keep an eye on him and keep an open mind. Uh, uh, I'm also keeping uh, an eye on um, President Erdogan over in Turkey. Um, you know, the seat of Satan, the old uh, uh, Pergamon-like statue and stuff that was there. Uh, that's been taken, I think, or at least done in reproduction to Germany. But that was where the the satanic throne was. And, and there was a, a worship ceremony that occurred there thousands of years ago. And now we have him rising to power and uh, Erdogan thinking that he, he's a new Solomon, that he, he reveres uh, uh, Soleimani, the, the great, uh, you know, uh, what did you call him? Uh, uh, well, ruler, anyway. Uh, they had a pair of name for him, but anyway, in Turkey. So you've got two guys that are pushing the envelope as far as being a Solomon-type character with great power, military might, and one of them has an animus for Israel. That's Erdogan. Whereas the Saudi prince is apparently a friend, and we know that the Antichrist, uh, the first beast, is going to uh, deceive the world and win the world with uh, lies and flatteries, you know, talking of peace and, you know, peace, love, and army and all that kind of stuff. And that's more what MBS is doing. Uh, people would, as you can see, would relate to him and think, oh, well, I'd like to go to a party with him. Whereas Erdogan, you wouldn't be sure you'd be alive after the dinner. So, you know, there's a contrast to the two personalities there. Um, but but MBS is still in the front, the forefront of uh, the guy we watch for the Antichrist. So just uh, go to, you know, Bing News or Google News or Yahoo, wherever you go, and put in a search phrase. Tell them to notify every time Mohammed bin Salman, S-A-L-M-A-N, uh, every time he is mentioned in their press to keep a check on him daily and get your email notices and have a look at what he's doing because I think he's going to keep us entertained there. Yeah, and, and Stan, what you just mentioned, uh, let me just lay this out for listeners who might not be aware of uh, their ability to get alerts for just about any term uh, or any person uh, from Google or other search engines. You can actually set up an alert that any time uh, a name or an event or uh, something is mentioned, you receive an alert on your email. And you can do this by, as I said, by the person's name, by a topic, uh, you know, Venezuela, for instance. If you want to follow uh, the continued collapse of that socialist nation, uh, you know, you just create a an alert for uh, Venezuela, and you'll get an email every time an article is indexed with that term in it. And you can do that uh, for any topic or, or any person. Uh, the only thing I would say is if you do that, Make sure you you manage your emails because you could find yourself in a situation where you're getting hundreds, if not thousands, of emails a day, depending on how many of those alerts you set up. But it is an, an excellent research tool, especially to stay uh, informed and notified on subjects that seem to come and go in our news cycle. But that is a, a great tool uh, to have, Stan. And just real quick, uh, just want to throw this out there because I'm seeing this in real time. There are reports, not confirmed, these are just reports, that Syrian President Assad has left the capital of Damascus in a Russian military convoy towards the Syrian-Lebanese border. Now, that's unconfirmed, uh, just to throw that out there, as we are still awaiting a response from President Trump and the United States on the gas attack. So, 
we are keeping our, our eyes open uh, with that as well. Uh, Stan, did you get a chance to see any of Mark Zuckerberg testimony today? Um, no, I, I Holly played a couple of little excerpts where the the guy was telling him to change his wording and his legal agreements. It was quite comical, but other than that, I didn't see that. What, what did you hear? Well, there, there's a few interesting pieces. Once he talked about it, um, Lindsey Graham was asking him about his terms of service, and he basically said that yes, they were those were uh, confusing. Done, they were confusing on purpose, and he didn't expect the American people to. Uh, or the people who use his service to really read in through those terms of services, nor understand them. And also, an interesting exchange, he was asked to define what he believed uh, hate speech was, and he was unable to do so. He was asked um, by Ben Sass, a Republican from New England, who asked him what constitutes hate speech, and he could not he could not define the term. But I, I uh, don't plan on spending a lot of time but I will go through some of uh, the other testimony that he gave. But I haven't seen a lot of it either, just a little, a few sound bites and, and tidbits. Uh, and very interesting. He seems, Zuckerberg seems a little nervous. So uh, for whatever reason that is, he's not under oath. And uh, he doesn't really have a reason to be nervous. But definitely under under the spotlight, and we will uh, continue to follow that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. The, the, this whole Facebook thing, uh, I hope people pay attention to this and understand what that tool Facebook really is that it is not some user friendly site to to help you connect with old friends and family instead it is uh, set up for the sole purposes of mining your data that you give them voluntarily data for and using it for a number of nefarious purposes and otherwise I know, I know I've, you know, uh, I have a very minimal Facebook uh, presence Basically, so that I could go and peek at my children's photos, the, the grandchildren. You know, um, they they aren't uh, savvy to the the threat of it yet. Uh, but uh, um, other than that, I don't use it. Uh, we do have uh, a business partner who has a Facebook uh, presence as well, just for his business. We have one for our business too, but uh, never really do much with it. Uh, with our new venture with the Black Sea Jewelers, we uh, are uh, we've set up a website. Uh, on their company website, and uh, you can have a look at that. You don't necessarily have to go to the Facebook page, but uh, you can if you want to. There's a few photos on there as well as on, on the main site, Damage 51 on our show images page today. And you can see it on our front page. I'll yeah. put up a, a link to it. I saw that, Stan, and um, I have to show this to, to my wife um, as I'm not into the uh, the jewelry that much, but it's very interesting, and uh, they look it looks beautiful. I, I love the uh, all the different color stones, and, and it looks really nice. Well, I had uh, Jared and Christina, who own the company, uh, make a, a very nice piece for our 20th wedding anniversary to surprise Holly, which it certainly did. And the craftsmanship is absolutely brilliant. Um, uh, the designs uh, are customized uh, to what people want. Uh, they actually do you know wax castings and gold and metals and you know. But in this case, we're going to be using all stones from Tanzania, from the Arusha district around the Garden of Eden. So you'll actually have a piece of the land where Adam and Eve uh, lived, you know, outside the garden. And that, uh, to me, that kind of takes it to, you know, we, we have a piece of where it all started in our hands in a, in a piece of jewelry. We're also 
also trying to get clearance to get some of the red dirt from the area uh, there to, um, you know, God um, took the red dirt and made Adam, that kind of stuff. We want to take some of that red dirt and get it out of the country, but I have to get special permits for that. And um, so we've made friends with a Christian couple that have a tour guide company down there called Elyon. And uh, you can see image 48 Elyon Tours. You can see the page I set up for them years ago. And um, they're the ones that are kind of trying to help us get that stuff out of the country. And there's so many changes in the Tanzanian government at the moment that's making it very difficult to uh, do everything we wanted. But the whole objective was to give a, a, a material piece of stuff that people could say, look, you want to see this? Well, I've got this unusual piece of uh, jewelry or this uh, vial of red dust. You know, uh, it's because, and then talk about the real Garden of Eden. And once people start to see that we have proved it, you know, that is the Garden of Eden, then the the Bible, uh, particularly the uh, uh, Genesis account, becomes very real. And you can start to see people trust more of the Bible. They see that history is correct. In the Bible, you just had to dig to find what they were talking about because it's such an old language. But anyway... That's- Go over there and look at the, the, the site. You can see some of these uh, uh, brilliant designs. They're a really good design team. And uh, uh, Christina is from uh, Bulgaria. And uh, that's where the oldest gold jewelry artifacts that have been unearthed by archaeology were produced first there in Bulgaria. And so she comes from a, a family line of uh, you know Bulgarian uh, jewelers who follow the old craft, you know, the old handmade way to do stuff. And uh, you can see from her work, she's just really good. Yeah, okay. BlackSeaJewelers.com, for those who are not on the show images page, BlackSeaJewelers.com is the website. Check it out. Uh, and check out the Garden of Eden link at the top. That's uh, uh, yeah, at the very yeah. top of the left. Yeah, okay. Now, before I get away from the Middle East, uh, Dubai, uh, image 46 I was talking about... Uh, uh, yeah, the, I read that. Where they're doing digital license plates, um, and they're testing them in Dubai, but they've already been testing them in California since uh, well, four or five years ago. Uh, these kind of digital license plates are they have a GPS signal that can be tracked. So that means that already in California, wherever these test cars or these test plates are, uh, the uh, government, whether state or federal, can track those cars from orbit because they got a GPS sender signal on them. Um, it's just another kind of chink in our armor. It's a total control of where you are, at least knowing where you are, what you're doing. Um, you know, if people were honest and there was no uprisings, no war, okay, I guess that there wouldn't be a place for something like this. Or if there was, it would be for your protection instead of, you know, allowing a, a dictatorial state to track you and, you know... Uh, put you in their grip. I know Texas Instruments years ago, probably, gosh, 20 years ago at least, uh, I got from them uh, design parameters for uh, driver's licenses that you could put in your wallet. But if you drove your car even at 90 miles an hour and you had two or three neighbors left and right of you going down a four or five lane highway and you went under one of the Texas Instruments uh, detector arches, which they showed, uh, it could read all your uh, driver's licenses and your car and know who was in the car what time it passed this point and just keep a record of it. Well, now, 20 years later, we've got supercomputer stuff and massive storage. Uh, that kind of thing is very practical from a government point of view that they can just monitor everybody. So 
I expect here in the next few years that they'll be uh, issuing new kinds of driver's licenses and IDs that have some kind of a digital footprint that can be read from orbit. Um, just incredible bad stuff. Incredible. It is. And, you know, you think of uh, the, the push for driverless cars to uh, even this, these digital license plates that voluntarily, as one, I forget where I saw this headline first, but it, I think it was on the Liberty Daily, where it, it's something along the headline of uh, digital license plates connect to police automatically. And something of how these, you know, maybe when you start your car, or you get on the road, that it will send some kind of signal to the police, basically giving them your information, and uh, you know, they'll know you're on the road. And then if something happens, like an accident or any kind of incident, the police and authorities can be notified outside of, of your control that something is happening. Uh, and who knows how much, you know, if it stops with just, uh, you know, some sort of sensor on your car to know if there's been an impact or not. The uh, potential, I guess we call it the Internet of Things, where everything is connected uh, to Wi-Fi, to the Internet. The potential for this, Stan, I can see, is where you have, you know, these devices or maybe their license plates or whatever that are connected to the internet and will transfer this information uh, to the police and to anybody and everybody who has the ability and controls to to see that information. And there's a huge danger that comes with that. We see that from you know everything from the smart meters uh, being connected to uh, now refrigerators and washers and and cars and now p- possibly license plates. But this is all in a move to further control. And monitor the people. I believe it's nothing. It's nothing more. They can wrap it in anything they want. But in reality, well, as you just, know, yeah. Lord Action once did say that absolute power corrupts absolutely. Um, and we know that humans are humans, right? If mm-hmm. the Lord Himself yeah. were in charge of the system, I would trust it. But He's right. not at present. Uh, the devil is. <laughs> so we're we're in trouble. Uh, this absolute control over every aspect of your life means that. You not only can you not buy and sell without a digital cart, everything you do move around in, you're going to be tracked somehow. Um, and when you become an enemy of the state for being a Christian or a Jew or, you know, uh, a person that doesn't want to have a world government, that kind of stuff, a prepper or something, then you be, then you become trackable uh, any way they can. And the, this just increases the tools they've got to squeeze us. Yeah, and, and we see this... Uh... Uh, these, uh, like, what would you say, these pilot programs launched all over the place, from the driverless cars to the cashless societies and, and all these other areas where they, uh, soon enough, we will be uh, you know, forced to, to use these systems or, or made to use these systems. But uh, this is how they roll stuff like this out. They test it in pilot programs and from California to Dubai to India to you know Saudi Arabia, and they see what works, what doesn't work, and then they implement it. On a larger, uh, on a larger population, and and then they they roll it out from there. So when you start to see these pilot programs popping up, no matter what what it is, uh, just just expect at some point in the near future that they're going to attempt to use these technologies and and uh, systems to control you and to to uh, further their invasion uh, on our constitutional rights. And it's unfortunate, but that's the direction that we are moving in, Stan and. I don't know that there's much we can do to stop it, aside from you know completely going off the grid 
and and surviving on our own without the help of any uh, of modern uh, the comforts of modern life. You know, a couple months ago on the show, I had uh, a slide where you're linking over to Dubai. You know, where they're testing these digital plates for the police there, and the link was showing Dubai has become a smart city. And, you know, uh, your homes, uh, home temperature, home status break-in or not, uh, gasoline prices, uh, your car, you, uh, er- you know, everything is integrated into a an electronic system that is throughout and over the city of Dubai. And this was designed by uh, Esri, you know, mapping systems. Uh, Jack uh, Donjermont, who set up Esri, was over there at the time that I did the show. Uh, unveiling this thing to the Dubai people. And uh, the, the positive point of it, where, look, um, you go to work, uh, we'll know where your car is and where you where you are at the moment, and if we need to notify you of an emergency uh, in your home or children's school, we've got you there, we'll just push a button and it'll do it. Uh, if your home has been broken into, we'll, we'll send a car out there before we even tell you it will stop because we'll have a monitor on your house. If there's a fire in your home, we'll detect it and, uh, you know, it'll go to the central and out will come the firefighters. You know, all wonderbar things, as I say, from a central government being able to take care of its people as long as the central government is infallible and is fair. And we don't have that anywhere on the planet. Nor um, will we. Say again? No, nor will we. Uh, no, not, not, as not long until as human the Lord himself comes, comes back. Yeah. And and it's um, you know it's a uh, it's unfortunate that you know, this these things are going to hurt a lot of people and and from the move to the cashless society to you know this one world system it, it's going to roll over a lot of people and uh, nobody's really going to care it, it's going to be uh, everybody's going to be too busy trying to keep them surviving themselves uh, you know and maybe if yeah. you're lucky you'll uh, be able to see the changes coming and, and get out ahead of time. But otherwise, we're all going to be caught up in the same mess together. And the only hope we have is the, the Lord's return. Um, and that's the only true solution to this human problem that we have. But, um, Stan, looking at your site here, there's a few articles that pique my interest. One, what causes sinkholes? But first, number 41, uh, hole in the sun spawns powerful solar wind could amp up auroras. We're still on the solar minimum, correct? Yeah. At least that's and, the way I see it. <laughs> okay. And, and yeah. we've seen a number of the storms over the last few weeks, uh, from solar flares to these uh, solar holes. Is this any indication that we're we're coming out of uh, the solar minimum or, or this cycle, or are we going to be in this for a, a little while longer? Well, we're supposed to be turning around. We're at the bottom of the uh, statistical uh, low point of uh, solar sunspot cycles. But this one, uh, even as, as we're talking here on the phone tonight, um, I've been hearing interruptions in the satellite to relay of your side of the conversation where it goes like that. And, uh, you know, variations of that, of course. But um, it's because the solar wind is affecting communication satellites around the planet at the moment. Um in conjunction with the slide to the left of that, slide 40, uh, where it's an article talking about a, an ultra-powerful flare erupting on Proxima Centauri, our nearest neighbor uh, star, four light years away. And they go in the article into detail about if the Earth were in its position it is now, but with that star, 
we would be pounded with these solar flares and, you know, the solar wind, and that it would erode our ozone layer and our magnetic field, if it's not strong enough, of course, couldn't hold the ozone layer we had, and it would kill all life on the planet Earth. So then you get back over to slide 41 where we've got this super big hole in the sun, in the atmosphere. Um, I think we're going to see some really um, interesting, shall I say, developments in the surface of the sun and emissions of it over the next solar cycle, uh, which technically we're starting to enter now. Because right now we should not be seeing holes in the coronal mass like that in the atmosphere. Uh, emitting these strong uh, bursts of radiation toward us. Right now, we have a, a magnetic field that is strong enough to shield us from most of that, but the ozone layer has been developing holes for the last 20 years that repair but uh, are thin. And these uh, emissions, especially in the ultraviolet spectra, get through that. And if you're underneath, harm plant life, and it's going to make humans sick right now. I mean, you'll get a rash and uh, nausea and uh, diarrhea and this kind of stuff. Uh, when you're underneath a coronal, uh, sorry, a, a, a an ozone hole while the sun is emitting the ultraviolet from just normal behavior, but if you have flares and solar wind accompanying that, you're going to see other cascading effects. And again, as I've said over many shows with you, the Earth's magnetic field is weakening, not gradually, it's weakened in a hurry. We're down at the lower end of the point where it goes to almost zero and reverses uh, in our north and south pole magnetically change places. Whether they will be in the same place relative to where they are now is another issue, but that's something that NASA's been working on with the supercomputers for several years. Uh, at present, we have three pairs of magnetic fields inside the planet uh, that are north-south, north-south, north-south. One of them with the south toward our south pole, the other one with the north up toward the north pole, but the north pole is split into two for, at the moment. So, uh, our main shield against these kind of radiations from our star is failing, and it's uh, failing for a period of time, and then will turn around and uh, reappear. So during this transition where it goes to the lower point and then turns around, we're going to be exposed to huge ultraviolet uh, intrusions on, on our life, killing crops, killing people, animals. Uh, it's something that is uh, we need to watch for. Um, you know, when the Lord uh, said in the prophecy, or had his prophets write about uh, men will say, you know, cast these big rocks on top of me and hide me from the wrath of the Lord. You know, the judgment spoken up there in the book of Revelation. Uh, I can see why, because you're trying to shield yourself from the radiation coming from an instrument that no one can claim is human control of the sun. Only act of God uh, controls that, and he uses that as a, a main mechanism to punish the planet or to bless the planet and uh, we're heading into a punishment phase and I really think that people should watch this uh, the solar condition at least weekly to see what's happening to um, to see the developments because uh, as I said last week about what the Monoceros uh, cluster that I, I put the the uh, video up about how that star exploded and over several months exploded out through its entire well it didn't explode it threw off a gaseous layer thick cloud that went out through its uh, system throughout all of its planets, and this could happen here, it could happen in a space of weeks or months that this cloud uh, exits, eventually exits our solar system, but it, since we're so close to it, we get the first concentrated blast of this debris thrown off of our star if it does like these others. Um, and because, because our science tells us that the universe is like 15 billion years old and Earth is billion 
won't go red giant or do anything exotic for thousands, if not millions of years. Everybody kind of gets comfortable and says, oh, well, that's okay. We don't have to worry about that. Somebody else's problem down the road. But this era has to be corrected because modern physics and, and models for cosmology of our universe show that the speed of light, and hence the way we measure time in the past, the speed of light has slowed down immensely since the Big Bang, which compresses the the, you know, the age of the universe if you use radiometric carbon dating or any other sorts of radiometric dating. It compresses the age of the universe and the Earth down to tens of thousands, if not maybe hundreds of thousands of years. And for the Earth, we can backtrack the magnetic field strength and look at an age of 50,000 years when hysteresis would occur while the Earth was still molten. Um, when you apply this this part of the cosmological mathematics, uh, it does tell you that uh, we are slowly aging now compared to uh, the Big Bang, where everything was you know very compressed and light traveled at ten with sixty zeros after it times faster than it is now, um, and that compresses the age to come very close to complying with what the Genesis account is as far as the creation of Earth and man and, uh, you know, the stars, etc. Um, you know, we could we could have, you know, arguments on, on the meanings of six days of the Lord or seven days of the Lord, whether they're real days or whether they're his days, relative time or whatever. But the issue is that we are a much younger Earth, much younger universe than we previously thought. So our sun developing these symptoms could quite rapidly do something exotic and throw off a huge amount of its surface as a gaseous cloud which passes out through our solar system and through us and that dust cloud spoken of in the Old Testament as well could block the light from the sun during that passage make the light of the moon red and the sun very dim if you could see it at all so this is why I put that in there this is something happening today it, uh, for the next three or four days we're going to have intrusion and, and magnetic storms from the wind escaping you know the charged particles escaping out of this hole in the sun and i was just looking at the map that was provided on that article about the hole in the, in the sun where they have the lines showing where how far south the auroras might get and i was trying to figure out where we are in erie pennsylvania uh looks like we're between that uh, seven and five line and it says that the auroras stop at the at the green line there so it's just north of us um but yeah it, it's uh the the activity of the sun is something that I'm fascinated by. And as you said, you know, it's something out of the ability of humans to control where they think they can, you know, manufacture weather and control climate. Uh, you, you can't, they can, there's nothing they can do to the sun. The, the only thing that I've seen them attempt to do is to, uh, as they say, to chemtrail or geoengineering, spraying elements into the sky in an attempt to reflect the sun's light uh, hitting the earth. But even that has little effects. And if the sun decided to get hotter, you know, by 10 degrees tomorrow, uh, you know, we'd see some huge changes on the earth, and there's nothing that these people could do to stop that. Uh, and also what you said about the, the speed of light and the speed of light slowing down. I do believe that science proves the Lord's creation, and I just don't think that we always get the, the most honest science, and, and we don't see that, uh, you know, side reported too often. But I I think it's fascinating. Would you say that it would, by how much the speed of light has slowed down, that it would show that the year, the Earth was fifty thousand 
years old? Is that what you said? Well, no, I, it's going to be measured in thousands of years. Um, one scientific report uh, from a guy that was a, a, a Christian was that if you looked at the strength of the Earth's magnetic field now, when it's at full strength, um, and look at what it would have been, you know, when the Earth was still a molten blob, the magnetic field would not have been uh, started until things started to cool and had a core and it was rotating, uh, you know, against a cooler surface. He put it at a maximum that the Earth could only be 50,000 years old and have the strength of magnetic field we had. Now, that was 25 years ago. Now that it's been decreasing so rapidly, he might revise that uh, report. But um, scientifically, you couldn't put a case for uh, Earth being older than 50,000 years. Now that we have, you know, uh, uh, the work of uh, Barry Satterfield and some of the, of the allied scientists who are looking at uh, the age of the universe and the speed of light and what they call the variable speed of light, um, and I've mentioned that, I think, even last week on the show, Barry Satterfield, if you look at his website, he's a strong Christian uh, physicist, astronomer as well. And you can see that um, from the work he developed from a, another doctor who, who has passed uh, years ago in Australia, that there is a simple calculation for what's called a, a, a wobble or, you know, a back wobble for precession. And you can look at how the Earth is wobbling around its northern axis, you know, with that 23.4 degree tilt we have, and trace it back to when we were upright from the asteroid strike or whatever caused the Earth to be tilted. And that report shows that the flood, which would have occurred at that point, was at 23.45 B.C. You can calculate it to the year by using this back precession formula, standard mathematics. Now... Anyway, I would go to Barry's site, Barry Setterfield, and uh, I think it's barrysetterfield.org, and read his uh, papers. There are a number of papers from a Christian perspective that prove scientifically that, you know, our modern uh, sciences and physics taught in the uh, universities and high schools is not entirely correct. In fact, a lot of it is really misinterpreted in, in an era. Um, so, uh, you know. Uh, this is something I've been working on. The background here is, uh, uh, you know, a, a year with God. Uh, what's God's time? It's, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, a thousand years is but a day with the Lord. We see that kind of parallel written in Scripture. It doesn't necessarily mean it was exactly a thousand years as a day with the Lord, but that God's time, um, His aging, if you wish, or His going through time is um, at such an energy level that one day of his time is many, 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 many years of our time passing. Um, and we've seen enough sci-fi shows on that kind of topic. I think that people can grasp that uh, concept that things operate at different uh, time rates. I mean, look at a hummingbird. They can dance circles around us and look us in the eye and be behind us before you can <laughs> blink. Their little systems you know, work on a much faster time scale, and they age quicker as a result. Now, turtles, in essence, age a lot slower, and we look like frozen statues to them, but, um, or, or, no, sorry, blurs to them, we're frozen statues to the hummingbirds, but um, to turtles, you know, we move so fast, they, they have trouble figuring out what, what happened, you know, who went by and where they went. Anyway, this is relative time business, and it's something that's a very important uh, uh, thing in proving the, the, uh, the, the correctness of the Bible and the Bible history. Um Nowadays, I don't know that people even want to listen to what proofs you've got because so many are caught up in, you know, personal pleasures 
it's uh, I love listening uh, to to you explain it and and to hear about the the physics and uh, your ideas from you know the expansion the Earth expansion theory and uh, I, I love doing the research on the uh, especially the Genesis uh, six era you know when when the Earth was basically one landmass and and how that has all separated and this stuff is is just fascinating to me which leads me to uh, the next one I want to get into, uh, number 45, what causes sinkholes? I know we've talked about this several times in the past, and over the years we've seen a huge increase, I guess, in in sinkholes, deadly sinkholes in some cases from Florida, uh, all throughout uh, America and the world. And uh, there was the big one in, in Louisiana that engulfed the whole lake, I believe. Don't know yep. what, what came about that, but... The sinkholes is it erosion is it uh only does it only happen in certain geographical con- when certain geographical conditions come together? Well, reading the article, I would say that they lean that way that uh, certain uh, types of uh, rock strata and sandstone and uh, sandbanks and whatever underground uh do tend to have sinkholes more often than others, and the argument can be made that we didn't have sinkholes before we had industry. And industrialization and putting out, uh, you know, water pipes underground that can be stretched or broken with the uh, movement of dirt by hot and cold expansion, uh, or with uh, oil wells, you know, drilling or gas wells uh, taking out the oil and gas from formations, leaving them very weak, so that the slightest provocation, you know, earthquake or you know, heavy vibrations in the surface nearby would cause them to collapse and make these these holes. Um, but you know, I don't remember ever hearing in history, in history books, that people had sinkholes. Um, I guess they could have had, but the the argument can also be made that since we have such uh, all-pervading, uh, uh, they're all analyzing and, and recording media, that we're seeing more reports because we have more news stations all over the world reporting them. And so if we were to dig into history, perhaps, and writing of the various other countries, we'd we'd see ancient reports of a sinkhole swallowing things. But I just, I I still tend to think that we're seeing changes in the the Earth's structure, um, in the in the diameter of it, uh, internal pressures of it. Uh, understand we have, as I said a while ago, three pairs of magnetic poles tumbling inside the planet in the very core. And these magnetic poles, when they rotate, of course, are generating electric flux and perhaps even some physical pressures on the surface through shock waves. Certainly earthquakes do it. But why is it intensifying now, uh, if it is? Um, well, um, I just I just think it's due to the expansion of the Earth that we bit, uh, the, the thinning of the crust of the Earth, if you wish. People tend to think that we're sitting on a really solid rock here. But if you've ever watched a video of, of a nuclear bomb detonation uh, on the, uh, above the ground even, you will see the ground splashes, rings of ripples come yeah. out through the stuff and move buildings and people and, and the camera when it reaches the camera. So the Earth's surface is not solid. It's flimsy. And it's the Earth's surface that has been moved around by asteroid impacts and things to cause the flood and the breakup of Pangaea, you know, uh, the destruction of Atlantis where Noah lived. All these things occur because we have a thin... An asteroid can come and hit that crust and move it around and leave the core of the planet where it is. It doesn't uh, tumble the whole planet, just the surface. 
But when I see these weakening signs here, I'm wondering, you know, what's about to happen to our flimsy little, you know, surface that we've got? Are we going to expand again? Are we going to see more tectonic plate uh, subdivisions or what? I don't know. Dan, did you see that uh, huge rift or crack in the continent of Africa that has uh, made been in the news the last few days? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have. Is yeah, that, you I think did, that's tied in with the same sinkhole, uh, Earth expansion? It would be Earth expansion. I mean, even the Great East African Rift that goes up into Tanzania and right close to where that, that rift is they're talking about, um, that, that is a giant scar, you know, a, a fracture zone that didn't complete and, and didn't uh, allow Eastern Africa to break apart and become a separate continent. The fact that that's happening now gets back to, well, we must be seeing an expansion. You know, something is causing that to tear apart, and that weakness is forming that rift that we're talking about. Um, it's odd that that's happening over there near where the Garden of Eden is in, in Tanzania. Um, you know, God started things there, and now then, is the start of the punishment going to be from that region as well with the earthquakes and, you know, various other calamities are going to strike? I don't know. There's drought, you know, that's over in that area. We're going to see more drought and heat across the planet as well. Um, our oceans are uh, uh, having waves of heat in them, even though we're seeing increased snow on the South Pole. The oceans are warming and uh, boiling up vapors in the atmosphere or water vapor that condenses over the pole, but we're still getting this warming of the oceans and the land masses. Why? You know, is it the sun? Is it a weakness in our, our shield and the ozone layer? What? Magnetic field failing? There are so many variables in this that when you sit down and start to put them on a board here and try to figure out what things have the most effect and what things are working in concert, your eyes cross. At least mine do. I just, uh, sometimes I just have to put it down. I can't figure it. Yeah, and it's amazing, amazing stuff. Um, and for folks who are unaware, just do a quick search if you want to see more about this huge crack. I think it's a, mainly in Kenya, but that is, uh, uh, has been talked about happening in the, in the African coast for the last few weeks. Stan, we're just about out of time. We only have a few minutes left. Looking at your photo of the day, mystical marble caves of Patagonia. Isn't this that is pretty. This is beautiful. Where where is Patagonia? Where is this? Oh, I don't know. Okay, uh, I'll well, get these pictures sent in from people, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll check and see here while we're talking. Patagonia is it's a um, region in South America and southern Argentina and Chile. Right there, you go. <laughs> it extends from the Colorado River. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, and on Stan's website, there is a photo of the day, video of the day. Uh, and so much more there. The photo of the day is this great photo of this cave. And I, I want to say that it looks blue. It's not just the reflection from the water, but the, the walls of this cave are, are all these different shades of blue. A blue uh, marble, isn't it? Something like that. And it looks like thin. If you look at the top of the photo, it's like a thin shell of it. It's curved over there. It's not a solid rock. It's, I don't yeah. even know how that would form. Yeah, and it looks like... A, there's another little cave, uh, you know, directly straight ahead yeah. uh, in this picture. I, I would love to go exploring places like this. That would be, that would be awesome to be able to do that. Well, it would be. There are just a lot of things on this earth. I wish we didn't have war and disease and, you know, yeah. disharmony that we could all go and, and visit these places in time. Yeah. yeah, it would be a much, much better place. 
Right, real quick, Stan, just a, a last minute. Any thoughts on the? Did you see the videos from Hawaii that where they heard the trumpet-like sounds coming from the sky? No, is this recent? Yeah, it was just uh, in the last few days. It was just up on Drudge Report today. I don't know if it's still there. Um, I'll have to find it. I'll have to send it to you. Maybe you can comment on it last week because that's what I thought of. I, I thought, you know, is this the Earth's crust moving? Is this a uh, the magnetic field causing uh, this noise to happen? Uh, you know, what scientific or maybe even non-scientific uh, answers do could we get? And uh, like we saw in the in the past, uh, just the last few years, a huge increase in these you know sounds, these horns, if you will, making noise in different parts of the world. Uh, this this sounds like a trumpet, and this was recorded in Hawaii just a few days ago. So I will uh, I'll send that off to you when I find it. It's not on Drudge anymore, but uh, well, Hollywood have seen it. Uh, she she mines uh, Drudge Report uh, daily, but uh, she didn't mention it to me. Um, it might be that uh, something else caught her fancy. I'm just looking here on the on our website. I don't see it there, but yeah, do that, and uh, I'll have a look at that. I I'm still of two minds about what's causing all that trumpeting sound. I've, I've listened to the ones over Russia and a few others that came on the internet in the past, but they they do sound so mournful, don't they? Uh, terrible. Yeah, yeah, they do, and it definitely is an indicator of something changing, something taking place on this planet that is outside of our uh, our conscious uh, understanding. But Stan, thank you so much for joining us. It was a, a great hour, it went by real quick, and uh, we we do appreciate your time each and every Tuesday here in this third hour, and and thank Holly as well. I'll do her. Thank you, Joe. Night night now. Have a good night. All right, that'll do it for us. We are out of time. I want to thank everybody for hanging with me. It'll be me again solo tomorrow, I believe, as uh, my father and tech Eric will be returning tomorrow. Just not sure what time they're going to get back, so we're going to continue to, to move forward. Uh, don't forget to join us on The Daily Show. You can hear that 2 to 3 p.m. each and every day on Global Star Radio as well as on Blog Talk Radio and on podcast. Till tomorrow, have a great day.